Hello, and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about the L House. I'm Patch, and joining me is the most wanted criminal in the Boiling Isles. It's Chloe. How are you today, Chloe? I'm doing pretty good. At least, like, you know, just like I mentioned on Twitter, we did delay a couple days because of my allergies kicking in, but, like, those mostly seem like they have subsided, so, well, good. Yeah, glad yeah, to hear I, that. That's, I, I, uh... I find that usually my allergies do kick in around, like, May or so, it seems like. Like, it's it's like a weird case because I'm like I'm not sure if it's like really been hitting me a bit harder just because I'm in a different part of the country compared to the last six years. Cause, I mean like North Carolina was also always like a little weird when it came to like uh, allergy season and whatnot just because like it's warmer. So I don't know if it's like uh, different here just because my body's getting used to the northeast again or what. But I don't know. Yeah, no, all good. How you doing? Well, yeah, I gotta say, I'm kind of jealous. Uh, I haven't had allergy issues up here, but in Texas, when I had them, they would last literally all season. Uh, there was no, you're getting over this in a few well, days. That's the worst. It's kind of like how during the winter, my nose gets like pretty dry, so like I sniffle a lot. Which, uh, hey, ter- yeah, turns basically. out, is really fucking bad during a pandemic where uh, nasal congestion is one of the signs you might have COVID. <laughs> yeah see the fun thing about texas is that um i didn't go to texas with any allergies that wasn't a thing but because i worked outside i I was cleaning swimming pools so i was outside all day long every day and because the pollen count was so high i developed an allergy from overexposure that sucks (laughs) yeah so that's a fun fact about my hometown (laughs) if you're not allergic now you will be all right Mental note, don't go to Texas for reasons other than it's a fucking transphobic shitty state that's too fucking hot. <laughs> it's fine. We only hit 104 once last summer. Oh, good. Yeah, definitely don't deal with that a lot back in, like, Illinois and North Carolina. Yeah, why, why, yeah no, it's like, why would I, uh, why would I not want to have that again? Sounds, sounds wonderful to deal with that shit once more. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I lived in Texas for, I want to say, 16, 17 years now, and uh, the thing I liked least about it was that I am very much an outerwear person. Mm -hmm. I love coats and jackets, and I never got to use them. (laughs) Like, I've had uh, winter jackets, like, before I moved to North Carolina, and it was very much a case of, like, aside from, like, a few rare occasions, it was like, well, I could just go around in a hoodie, because it's only, like... Yeah, like, at, at, you know, the average day during, like, winter in North Carolina would be, like, 45 or 50. It wasn't, like, that cold. It was, like, yeah, this is, like, not enough that it really needs, like, a big heavy winter coat. But also, like, I wasn't outside as much during most of my jobs there. Except when I worked at the shitty Pep Boys when I had to go get card info. But I also had, like, a, like, work jacket there that had my name on it for a taste like that. So it wasn't the worst. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's not fun, <laughs> especially because it's like, yes, I am very much the kind of person that's like, I like long sleeves and pants and not shorts and, like, short sleeve shirts and everything like that, for the most part. Like, I like having that extra layer of clothing, which, I mean, hey, now that I say it, might be a dysphoria-related thing, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> could be, could be not, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know, I just hate shorts. Yeah, oh yeah, there's also that, like, I just I just prefer pants in general, like, even if it's really hot, I, I just don't like shorts. Like, you, exactly. even, like, the, the summer in North Carolina, and, like, for, like, at night, like, 
was one of those kinds of people that's like, I need to at least have like a like light blanket over me just because I'd feel so exposed if I'm just like laying there in my bed with no c covers at all. Even if it's like, even oh, if it's, yeah, no, that's definitely yeah, like even if issue. it's still like 75 degrees at night or 80 degrees at night or whatever it was, it's like, well, I can just put out the, have the AC on because like, it just feels weird. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's a, uh, that sounds wonderful. Um, I did actually do some fun stuff this week. Uh, school ended two weeks ago and I finally earned my quitter badge by failing to turn in all my homework on time, so... <laughs> I mean, hey, it's, uh, you would be proud, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, the deadline was Monday, and I found that out Thursday as I was working oh, on my assignment. No. Oh, so, no. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, after that, I just went ahead and went to go see Everything Everywhere all at once, because I deserved a treat for quitting. Yeah. I, I really want to see that movie, but, like, my idiot brain being what it is, it's like, it's still COVID times, COVID cases are getting way fucking worse because people are acting once again, like, oh, it's not winter anymore, and it's down now, right? And it's like, it goes up when people yeah. fucking do this shit all the time, and it's like, this is year three that we're seeing the same bullshit, and it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, have we learned nothing? Apparently the answer there is, yes, we have yeah. learned nothing. So... I don't know. I, I'm like I, I want to support the movie because like I, I just keep hearing such good things about it. I honestly don't know much about it to be fair, but I'm like I know it, I know <laughs> enough good word about it that I'm like I want to watch it once it comes to like some streaming platform. Um, yeah, no, it's it, it's amazing. It's gay. It's about generational trauma. I love. Oh, it. good. <laughs> All the hits, gay and generational trauma. <laughs> And it's a martial arts action movie. Oh, it's okay. great. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so what I did for that was I tried to choose a time that nobody would be at the theater. I went specifically on a weekday at, like, one in the afternoon where people with business jobs would have to be, like, at their business jobs, you know? Yeah. So my hope was that the theater would be more empty and that I could see it safely. But it uh, turns out it's a popular movie, I guess, because every single seat was full. So. Yeah, that, that was also my train of thought. Like when I, like I remember mentioning like one of like our uh, like movie Discord part of uh, our larger Discord where I'm like just kind of being like, I kind of want to see that, and people were like, Yeah, you could probably go during like the middle of the day and be fine. And it's like in the back of my mind, I'm like, Yeah, but the movie theater close to me doesn't actually like they do reserve seating, but they don't have like spacing between the seats oh yeah, yeah. It's like if you if you pick That's... one it doesn't block the other two around you kind of deal and also it's still like it's a fucking movie theater so even if there's only like a few people in there there's still gonna be somebody who's still gonna take their mask off to eat like the shitty overpriced popcorn that has canola oil like they say is butter but it's totally canola oil and like this sh the shitty <laughs> soft drinks that are like those bags that are like really just like flavored syrup that get added into like set seltzer i think it is in those machines I know all this stuff because I worked at the movie theater for like half a year back there in college. It's like, yes, I know how the sausage is fucking I mean, made. I get that, but you know that that's how every soda machine works, right? Yeah, but also I don't usually get soda from like a soda machine. I usually just go and buy soda. Yeah, but I, I, mean, I, 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 I look, like, I know, I know. It's the same yeah, formula. If you get it in a can, the, it's the same I know. stuff. The distinction here is that I know what those are like at the movie theater, and so like the movie theater just sticks out in my mind as like worse for some reason. This is how this is how my brain works. <laughs> that is fascinating. Yeah. 
I, uh, I'm kind of glad that I don't have that exception yeah, in I've... my brain, or else I would not be able to do yeah. things anymore. Yeah, that's just kind of how I get at times. I mean, like, there's the bit where it's like, I know that people talk about, like, how certain people don't like having, like, their food mixed up and, like, like it to be separated and stuff. And, like, I'm kind of that way. I don't mind if there's, like, a little bit of overlap in, like, stuff touching, if it's, like, different textures and stuff like that. But it's, like, it's still a case of definitely, like, I'm, like, put this over here, put this over here, put this over here. If there's, like, a little bleed over, fine, whatever. But, like, it's that partial bit where it's, like, yeah, it's it's just, it's one of those stupid things, again, where it's, like, I'm just, like, yeah, I'll do my own dishes, and, like, I don't necessarily like it when my roommates do them. I prefer them to do myself, because I'm the one that uses those plates and cups and stuff when it comes to mine. Yeah. Okay. That's, That's just one of my idiot uh, neurodivergent things. <laughs> I shouldn't say you're idiot. That's just how I am. Yeah, yeah. that's. I don't know. That's 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 not especially a thing I have, but also I just tend to not care about stuff in a way that is not necessarily great. Yeah. So. <laughs> I I don't know if I can describe it exactly, but knowing what a hot dog is made of does not affect whether I want to eat the yeah, hot dog. Yeah, no, fair. Yes, thing. I mean. It... And if you know what a hot yeah. dog is made of, you understand why that's a yeah, problem. Yeah, <laughs> hot, hot dog is well, kind of whatever's left <laughs> in cases. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not so much a thing I do anymore, but used to be in my house that putting on one of those. Um, PBS used to have a show about how stuff got made, and it was just oh, like yeah, video footage of people making yeah, things. Yeah, no, like that, that's the kind that it's like very much like, yep, I don't need to see this. Nope, no thank you. <laughs> yeah, I used to really like that. It was not soothing exactly, but it was nice to have the noise going on in the background. You yeah. Know? I didn't have to pay attention to it. But, yeah, so... Yeah, that's a thing I did, and then also I got a giant comic book because... <laughs> That's the person I am. Okay. <laughs> um, so I don't collect a lot of comics because there are so many of them, but the uh, Jason Aaron's Thor saga is one that I've been on board with. That's the. Uh, it starts with uh, original dude Thor, and then he becomes unworthy, and then Jane Foster takes right. over. And it all comes to a head with this huge uh, line-spanning event called the War of the Realms. And the book I got was The War of the Realms Omnibus, which is literally about seven inches thick because it's every comic <laughs> in the entire crossover. That is pretty thick, yeah. <laughs> I was looking at it on uh, American Amazon because that's what I usually use even though I'm still in Canada. <laughs> but for whatever reason, it got bought out and put up at triple the price the very first day. Oh, boy. So... Uh, that was weird, but I found it on Canadian Amazon for manufacturer price, so, you know, even though I don't have a job, I couldn't ignore that they get a discount. <laughs> Quote-unquote discount. It's very know. much me looking at, and I linked this in uh, one of our other Discord threads like 20 minutes ago, the, uh, the, the like, uh, different, like, handbags and, uh, like, shoulder bags inspired by characters from Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, like, this Bernadetta theme, the, like, uh, crossbody bag. It's pretty fucking cute looking, but it's also $130 plus tax. It's not going to ship until <laughs> October, so maybe I'll, like, ask uh, my mom if she wants me to get that for me for, like, this year's Christmas. Just hold on to it until then. Just give it to me then. 
yeah. could work. It's or if you could get like a deferred payment plan yeah, or something. I think PayPal sometimes oh, does that's that. That's what I do with my PC. Yeah, where it's like I pay off like two hundred each month until September. But yeah, it's like it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm thinking along the lines of like, yeah, if I'm gonna like start dressing a little bit more femme at some point soon after I get started with like voice training, it's like I would need some sort of handbag or pocketbook or whatever to carry shit. Because <laughs> why the fuck are femme pants designed to have, like, pockets designed into the uh, fucking pants, but not actually have real pockets? They're just, like, tracings <laughs> and a little bit of fabric that is just sealed the fuck up, and it's like, this doesn't, like, you put anything in it. <laughs> and yeah, um, if I can be totally honest... Uh, the very first time that I bought a, uh, a long vest that I mentioned before, it was because it was a thing I could wear over my other clothes and have pockets. Oh, so. gotcha, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's what jackets are good yeah. for. I, I don't like carrying a bag or a purse, but yeah, just a jacket or a vest or whatever that gives me. Yeah, it's, it's really just like, uh, again, like a case of... I don't want to just have, like, stuff just hanging in my pockets. Like, I mean, it, as it is, also, again, my silly brain at work sometimes. If if Have you ever read uh, Awkward Zombie by Kitty Tedrick, I think is how her last name is pronounced? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I haven't kept up with it yeah, for a while. Yeah, same. But... Like, there, there's that comment she did of, like, every time whenever you have, like, something, like, you have your stuff in your pockets and you're, like, feeling them to make sure it's all there. And as soon as you take something out, even if you're holding it, your brain at some point goes, Oh, shit, I've lost my wallet! Or, like... The, the, and this panel of her just being like, hey, can I call you right back? I think I lost my phone as she's holding her phone in her hand just because it's not in her pocket anymore. <laughs> like, one, one of those things where it's like, I, I don't, I know it's like, it would feel weird if I just have, like, stuff like my wallet or my phone in a freaking jacket pocket where it's like, yeah, I get that, like, it's, uh, it's like something that if people really want to, they could also steal a bag, but it's like, it's way more noticeable if it's a bag that I just have, like, across my chest or something like that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's also like, even if it's just like hanging on your back, like if you have it on the reverse way rather than just across your chest, it's like, you still would notice if somebody's trying to like grab it and try to open it, because it's like, it's very much the case of like, they would be pulling on it a little bit in the process of trying to get it open. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. I just, I don't like having to carry a bag. Yeah, so. no, that's fair. <laughs> it's one more thing to keep track of, but at the same time, when I think about like, how I would have a lot of stuff in, like, loose assortments of whatever amount of pockets I would have, like, in the jacket, comparatively to, like, just having it all in one place. It's just easier to have it in one place. Also, I mean, like, I'm also just a fucking nerd, and it's like, I would walk around with this bag <laughs> that is totally a Three Houses reference that you, you would have to, like, really close, look closely to notice that it has, like, uh, Bernadetta's family crest on it. <laughs> yeah, the crest of, the crest yeah. of Indec. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe it's like I just haven't found a purse that I like yeah. yet. I have a couple, but they're very. I don't like the way they sit. That it's frustrating to me to carry them. It just makes more sense to me to have like a layout, and I know what's in every pocket, and all I have to do is reach for it. I don't have to dig in the bag, yeah, you know. Pretty much. I mean, I get that way too, where it's, it's... like I, I never like using my like rear pockets or anything. So it's like, I always like, you know, like, mm -hmm. phone goes in one, uh, wallet goes in the other, and like, usually when I was at work, or like, my keys would just go in my, like, my desk drawer next to the sides, this way I didn't have to keep track of them too, because also I get really paranoid about fucking losing my keys, turns out. 
<laughs> I don't... I'm not as bad about this as I used to be, but I was very much one of those um, everyday carry weirdos for a long mm. time. In so far as... Like, it was never weapons or anything, but... Back in high school, for instance, I once sat in a chair, and the chair broke, and then I got out my toolkit and fixed it in class, <laughs> is the kind of person that I was. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that tracks, I think. I mean, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, like, I mean, going around the apartment, like, I noticed that, like, some of the, like, cabinet doors seemed a little bit, like, not like, uh, like, wonky but like they were like they didn't like sit flat with the like little connectors that they have against like the rest of the cabinet so i was like looking at it, trying to like figure out what it was because i noticed a couple that were just like that i think it was mostly because like as it was as i understand it before myself and my other roommate moved in with sam she was like her brother and her ex who were the only other two people living here basically never did anything around the apartment so it was basically always having to be like sam with the cleanup basically, and she's <laughs> pretty busy a lot of the time, so, like, sometimes she just forgets something or it goes under the radar, and so, like, stuff like that, it's like, oh, okay, this is just something that I guess is like that, but I noticed it, and I'm like, wait a sec, I can figure this out, because I have a fucking power drill, and I just, like, went and looked at them all <laughs> like that, and was like, okay, which of these is loose, okay, this one, burp, fixed it, and now they are perfectly fine, because it's, like, it's one, it's one of those nice. little things where it's, like, technically the landlord should have done it, but at the same time, it's, like, it's easy enough, whatever, I'll just do it myself. It also was like, yeah, I also would have felt guilty because like I just told him a couple of days ago that like a branch near one of the trees that is like above one of our parking spots was also a little bit dangling. So I was like, I don't want to have to contact him again after I just mentioned this because like he had a guy come out and chop down that branch just to make sure. <laughs> yeah. And then of course I had to do so again like a couple weeks later when it's like I was sitting out on the porch with Sam just hanging out and chatting and I noticed like a couple like wasps or hornets like hanging around like, one area of the building in particular, so I'm like, oh boy, is there a nest, so I'm gonna kill the landlord because I don't want to get stung by hornets and wasps, because hornets and wasps are assholes. <laughs> we, uh, I mean, can't argue yeah, with that. Yeah, it's like, they, they, they are bad, and also it's like, it is the landlord's responsibility to deal with stuff like that, it's not ours. <laughs> Yeah, like, I definitely identify with the wanting to make sure stuff gets fixed situation, but it's hard sometimes to remember that you don't owe them free labor. Yeah, there's that. Like, I could fix the problem with my toilet. It would be easy. I just need a new flapper, but I'd be spending money that they would get to keep. <laughs> unless I uninstalled the flapper before I left, in which case they would take damages out of my deposit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Room or apartment yep. stuff. Apartment stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you like to dive into the episodes for today? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, not gonna lie, it's some rough stuff today. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yep. Feels like it always is these days. <laughs> and it turns out when you don't have as many episodes that you wanted to have to cover what you want to, you kind of have to cram a lot in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once again, my notes for the uh, episode are three pages long. <laughs> do you? I have no idea how long my notes ever are because I just do them in Notepad. So, it's. Do you do Word? I, I, or I, I, use, do you... I do a Word document <laughs> in Google Drive. Yeah. Okay. 
cool. Good yep. to know. <laughs> All right. So, um, for today, we are going to begin with Season 2, Episode 15, Them's the Breaks, Kid. Uh, we open with Luz practicing some new glyph combos. Uh, she's got one that makes a tornado and one that makes, like, a weird arc of water. I don't really know what that's supposed to be. Uh, one that petrifies Beefy Bob, who is back from the dead, but now I guess he's dead again. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things I remember he brought it up with uh, the teddy bear from the same episode where he also got got by Hootie, just like Beefy Bob, and it's like, they just they just keep coming back. They are immortal. <laughs> well, not this time. Once you're petrified, you're petrified forever, remember? Yeah, I mean, look, every time that we said a character doesn't matter and is dead or isn't going to come back, they do. The Beefy Bob doll will probably show up at some point again now that we've said that. They beat Delos by throwing his petrified corpse yeah. at his head. <laughs> um, yeah, and the last one she's got is like a weird monster claw with that's made of some kind of freaky meat magic that reaches out and tries to grab her. And Ida pastes it before asking what she's doing. Um, this claw looks a lot like Bellos's flesh magic. Yes, I mean, exactly. Like the fact that he also did these claws during the season one finale. In addition to having a giant machine that can petrify, hmm, <laughs> I'm sure there's actually no reasoning here whatsoever why two of these glyphs that Luz strides out are things that Bellas can do. Not at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's practicing these combos because they're in Philip's notebook. Uh, apparently a lot of the doodles in the margins are just unfinished glyph combinations, so she's trying them out to see what she can do to figure out the door. Um, if... It's not a coincidence that there's a petrification thing going on. Do you think the machine doesn't matter? That there's actually just, like, a glyph combo somewhere and the machine just lights up and it makes probably, noise? It probably does, yeah. That's what I think it is. It might just be, like, the statue is just, like, a disguise to make it seem like it's, like, oh, it's just a magical thing as opposed to it's straight up just a glyph in there. Like, maybe a big one, but yeah, it's <laughs> probably just still a glyph in there. I also just want to just quickly mention real quick that it's like, it is impressive how much Luz gets done for being a 14-year-old. She's like a pretty quick study and very creative with the stuff. Oh yes, very much so. <laughs> but yeah, um, she's clearly under a lot of stress right now and not doing super well, so Ida convinces her to take a break by offering to tell her a story, at which point Luz's canonical love of backstories gets the better of her, and she agrees if Ida will tell her a backstory. <laughs> And so uh, we get Ida telling the story of how she met Rain, quote, the coolest, baddest, kick-buddiest witch of all time, which, I'm gonna be honest, I don't think we've seen enough to justify that at this point, but it's a pretty good illustration of Ida's crush. So. Yeah, I, I, I've seen, this is something I have in my notes. I've seen like people mention that they feel like this episode kind of retcons the fact that Rain is pretty like stage fright and shy in the first episode they arrived in. But I kind of interpret that again, like like you said, this is like Ida's descriptor of Rain, not potentially Rain's descriptor of themselves. And it's also different where, back when Ida first met Rain, they were both like 15 or 16 or so, roughly, compared to now, where Rain has like way more eyes on them, considering that everybody around them has been like, oh, hey, bard magic can be really fucking cool. Let's put this person on a, like, <laughs> on a stage and like have them show off their stuff. And it's like... I feel like yeah. it's like way different when it's like, yeah, it's just something that they can do that's pretty, uh, like pretty impressive compared to like all the other kids in this episode that are like, oh, bard magic sucks and everything compared to like where we are now where it's like, yeah, Rain has way more of a spotlight on them. 
Well, that's fair, but also, I mean, just being stage fright doesn't mean you're not extroverted, yeah, you know? Yeah, there's also that. Like, I don't like talking to people, I don't know. I- I'm extremely introverted, and yet you put me on a stage, I'm fine, no fear whatsoever. <laughs> They're not, like, linked, yeah. is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> but, yeah, so... While I will agree with Edith's assessment of Rain as the coolest, baddest, kick-buddiest witch eventually, I just don't think we've seen that yet. Yeah, all. <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll get there, but the fucking neck crack is just like, oh, that's such a fucking baller move. <laughs> yeah, um, so we don't have credits this week because we needed the extra 30 mm-hmm. seconds. And we cut to Ida and Lily, uh, young Ida and Lily, studying together on the way to school. Uh, from this, we learn that the Titan has humors like medieval medicine, although these ones make more sense to me, because Titans have earth, blood, bile, and breath. Oh, and bone. I don't like earth very much. I feel like it should have been another B, since all the other ones start with B, yeah. but we've learned by this point that they don't always agree with my design sensibilities. <laughs> <laughs> and also we learn that there is a month called Scabuary that has at least 40 days, so... I thought at some point we had concluded that uh, the Boiling Isles used Earth Calendar, but I guess that's right back out the window. Yeah, I mean, this is something that we brought up twice so far before this, when I remember back in Bling Like Witches, where we saw that Basha the Calendar had like six or seven weeks on it in a month. <laughs> but also, it's like, we obviously don't see that reflected here, because like we saw the calendar back in uh, episode 14, where it's like August 22nd is when that episode takes place. In the yeah. human realm, who can say what it, what uh, like whatever month of the year that is in the boiling house? <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, so Ida mostly just wants to goof off, but Lilith is absolutely not into it because the Emperor's Coven tryouts are coming up in seven months, and she desperately wants to make sure that they're ready. Uh, Ida isn't worried because she can answer questions with just preposterous degrees of complexity, and you know there's some. Very cute banter about how they're going to do everything together once they're in the EC and take over the world and be best friends. But as they're having this conversation, Lilith realizes that they are going to be late for school. And we all also collectively realize that this is only seven months before their relationship deteriorates. We'll talk about this that. This bit is said to be seven months before the tryouts, when it's, which is when Lilith curses Eda. So it's like... Oh boy. Yeah. I just... We'll, we'll talk a little more about this at the end of the episode. Yeah. It's fine. Um, so we cut to Hexside, where we see a bunch of kids, including Alador, Odalia, and Darius, who actually seem like friends at this point, instead of bloodthirsty monsters. Yeah, so that's something, nice. something happened in the intervening <laughs> years, it seems. Yeah, yeah. What do you want to bet it's a thing that could have been solved with polyamory? <laughs> I have seen people theorize that that either Darius was interested in Odalia or Alador and both turned them down, potentially. Yeah. Oof. Talk about rough. Um, yeah, so uh, when the school bell rings, just an absolutely horrifying Texas Longhorn-looking monster dude shows up and starts giving everyone outside of the building detention. This is Pro- Principal Faust, uh, Bump's predecessor. And uh, young Bump, who still has all his hair, does try to intercede on the student's behalf, noting that if Faust expels any more students, there won't be a graduating Mm -hmm. class. But uh, Faust hides behind the school policy that he made. Um, 
Apparently, he also expelled the captain of the Grudgeby team because his shoes were... We don't get a definitive answer on this, but his shoes were either too squeaky or not squeaky enough. And, yeah, Faust claims that students cannot be trusted and that some are just irredeemable, but Bump argues that no one is. At this point, a Grudgeby ball with wings hits Faust in the back of the head. Uh, so Ida and Lilith have a secret tunnel, which they're using to get into the school to avoid detention and all. And so she threw the ball at the back of his head in order to distract him. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like if she hadn't done that, they would have been able to get away with Probably. this better. Cause yeah. He, yeah. It's also uh, <laughs> one of those tunnels that are connected to like the various pathways that we saw in the first day. Because like, yeah, yeah, totally. Because Lord Calamity. <laughs> But yeah, so um, after Lilith goes into the tunnel, though, Ida closes it so that Faust won't see the door and gets taken to his office. Um, in his office, uh, she's sitting on a giant scorpion, and I love this chair. It is rad. I also do not want one for my house because it looks very uncomfortable to oh, sit yeah. on. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, also uh, Faust has a giant painting of himself on the wall behind his desk. At this point, he tells Ida that the reason she hasn't been expelled yet is because he is studying her. Her file is just absolutely enormous, and he's using all of her pranks and insults and such to gain insight into the minds of evil children. Which, uh... Yeah. Faith in your students, huh? Yep. I don't like the... Uh, evil children. Once again, we see that every teacher at Hexite besides Bump is a fucking asshole. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um, but yeah, she is pretty unimpressed by this file until he threatens to expel her, thereby making her ineligible for the Emperor's Coven. And that actually does upset her because it means she'll be separated from Lilith. Um, pain. Thanks. <laughs> so she begs him not to expel her, and that's when he puts his evil, evil plan into motion. <laughs> Oh, also, he calls Bump in to the office. Apparently, I don't know if it's his office or if it's just a tunnel, but Bump is just hanging out in a secret yep, door behind sure, sure, Faust's sure desk. Was. Maybe that's just Bump's office. He has this small little, like... That was yeah, kind of my thought, this, yeah. Just like a closet yeah, he has like, the main He has room. like a, like, five foot by five foot part of the wall that's just indented. <laughs> and that's where he has to do his paperwork and stuff. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so there is a, a yearly inter-school meetup called the Instructing Future Witches of Tomorrow, and he is sending Ida as their champion along with Bump, because despite being a training program, this is a competition, and while he would normally send the most gifted student, he expelled them for chewing too loudly, so... <laughs> it's, it's a very um, nice uh, hmm? contrast here between, like, the fact that they, like, bring up that Faust... Like, got rid of a kid for being a bit gross, and then he immediately does, like, a, like, full, like, owl head turn towards them kind of deal. Mm. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> this guy gets rid of kids for being gross and stuff like that, and meanwhile, he is way grosser. <laughs> yeah, super. Um, yeah, so the deal is, is that if Ida wins a blue ribbon at this meet thing, she can stay at the school. But if she fails, she will be expelled. And also, uh, Bump's career depends on this, because if she doesn't win, he's fired. Uh, 
this is exactly what school boards are supposed to be for, is to keep this kind of abuse from mm-hmm. happening. Um, that's not what they ever do. It just turns into another power yeah. fest. I mean, but that's what they're I mean, supposed to do. I what we see of the school board, like, three decades later, involves, like, people like, uh, like, uh, fucking, God, what am I blanking on? Odalia. <laughs> Like, when, mm-hmm. when people like her on the school board three decades from now, it's like, it's probably not much better, three, like, three decades prior. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the other observation I had about this scene is that he takes them to a trophy case to show off these ribbons, which feels like a lot to me. Yeah. <laughs> and also strange, considering that we'll see people who still have their ribbons later. So I guess maybe he just confiscates them from the Yeah, I, it might be a case of, like, after Faust... <laughs> retires or like got, got let go or something like that maybe bump back to you like let me go ahead now that i'm in power i will go ahead and like redistribute these back to the kids who earned them that's possible yeah but um the reason i bring this up is because the trophy case that all of these trophies and ribbons are in is labeled hex pride so <laughs> you know <clears throat> we're gonna need some rainbow colored jerseys that's yeah. all <laughs> We cut to the building from Convention, where the Ifwa is being held, and uh, Ida and Bump are in line to register for this, and the eyeball-eating guy is right in front of them, but as a kid, he has hair. It's weird. And he's wearing clothes. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> like, later on in life, he decides to just not put on clothes much. Full shirtless yet. all the yep. time. <laughs> I mean, presumably, he actually has to, like, adhere to some school standards <laughs> back then, and then, like, once he was done, he's like, all right, be free. <laughs> He's trans mask. He just wants to show off. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Ida uh, is pretty frustrated to be stuck in this position, and Bump tries to cheer her up by giving her a little show of faith. Um, he says he believes in her, sees her as a talented witch, and just gives her a little squeak toy in an attempt to skin to stem her just inherent chaos aura. The idea being that anytime she feels like breaking something, she should squeeze it. So, uh, naturally, she pops it immediately. Yeah. I, I do like how just, like, how much silly little belligerent chaos gremlin energy Ida has in this episode from back when she was a kid. It's not like that she does, it's not like she doesn't have less of that as an adult, really. Yeah. But it's like, it's... it's... Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I didn't take notes of most of it just because there's so oh, much. Yeah. It would make this episode three hours for yeah. sure. I mean, it's like, it's really just a case of, like... Yep, even back then, she was exactly the same person that she will be as an adult. <laughs> like, he, like, even the fact that she, like, says, huh, I want to be more, which is exactly what she said about her record back in uh, Something Ventured Someone Framed. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so Bump talks a huge game as they're about to enter, just about the intense competition and the skill of the other participants, but they get in there, and this place is just super dead. This is like Dashcon for kids. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's the biggest school-sponsored bummer you can possibly imagine. <laughs> they definitely have a ball pit somewhere then, right? That nobody's going to this convention? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you ever had any of these, but uh, when I was in high school, they would sometimes take us out of class for um, like SAT prep classes or whatever. Uh, I was an honors student, so we got a lot of those. We just wouldn't be in regular school for the day, and we'd go take the peace out or whatever. And this is exactly the vibe that those places had. Yeah. It's so I, bad. I don't think I really ever did any of those back in school. I don't think so. Yeah, it's not worth yeah. it. 
it seems like it's going to be a good break from school, but it's just it's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at this point, a young Terra Snapdragon appears to open the show because she is the head proctor for the test. Uh, this is her first time hosting, and she tells everyone that they'll go through tests that will ch will measure their strength, intelligence, and creativity. And that the losers will be grounded into mulch for her garden. So she's just exactly the yeah, same person. Tara has not changed at all in the like three decades. Yeah. She's always been an asshole. <laughs> uh, there is an Emperor's Coven guard there who points out to her that this is illegal, but she just kind of ignores him. So, um, The first exercise is with a hippie-looking dude in front of a booth full of crystals. Uh, he wants them to do trust falls because trust is what makes the coven strong. I mean, a apart from their numbers and terrible dark pact, <laughs> that is. But, uh, yeah, Ida volunteers to do the first trust fall, claiming that it looks easy, and is paired with a sort of blob monster that has a visible brain, and the brain has a face on it. It's weird. I and mean, it's totally normal for the X-Men, but we've not seen anything like this in yeah. the Boiling Isles at all. But this kid is good. <laughs> I like this kid's reaction. Yeah. Yeah, so um, she does the trust fall, and instead of the blob kid being able to catch her, she just falls right through, <laughs> which I feel like they should have seen coming, except that when she hits the floor, she is instantly skeletonized, and the goo kid panics a little bit, kind of indicating that this is not the first time that they've skeletonized somebody. Yeah. <laughs> she would think that, and, you would think uh, at this point, like, the, the blob kid would also know that they can't really, like, pick up anything or any person like that. If this is like this, if this is not yeah, the first time yeah. something like this has happened, it's like clearly you would know that people can easily go inside your goo body and get immediately skeletonized. Well, I guess the question is tensile strength, because like sometimes goo people can like control uh, yeah. the, the water density it's, of it's their a, bodies, so they might be able to like yeah, catch it's something. Yeah, it's a very uh, it's so, very Sandman in Spider-Man Three, first learning how to like condense his like sand form to be able to grab the. Uh, was it like a ring or something from his other? It was something that he was trying to reach after he yeah, like, yeah, got sanded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. So I feel like it's probably that situation. They thought that they were correctly dense enough to catch somebody, and then this happens, yeah. and oh no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was all an illusion that Ida cast. Um, she traumatized that poor goo kid just for a yep. joke. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so we cut away. Uh, Ida goes to hang out in the corner where Luce and Amity will eventually talk 20 years from now mm -hmm. and is upset that she is stuck here. And she takes a drink of the, um, I'm going to say mysterious liquid that they provide to the attendees, but it's horrible. She spits it out and throws it, talking about how gross it is, only for it to be intercepted by a blue-haired weirdo who I fully give that label to. They belong with us. It's it's important. Yeah. They this, need to join this our This is a podcast <laughs> for non-binary uh, people, so uh, Rain immediately gets inducted just by the nature of being non-binary. Which extends, of course... There's a couple things they're going to say. Yeah, which moment. extends to their uh, voice actor here. Like, they're also non-binary, so they're also welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blue DeBazio, please join us on the podcast. <laughs> There's no chance you've already heard this. Oh, Barrio, sorry. I think I said Blasio. Blasio is a shitty politician, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly. Uh, that would be Bill de yep, Blasio, Yep, yes. that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, 
this kid is fascinated by Ida because she's doing things just totally differently than, you know, anybody else is. And uh, they offer to change the uh, what they call off-brand junk, which is this liquid, with magic. Because they've figured out how to change the chemical composition of liquids by whistling at them. And they insist that barred magic can be cool. And this is why I feel not even a shred of doubt that we should call Rain a weirdo, because knowing chemistry is not cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just not. <laughs> Nerd alert. Rain whispers knows chemistry. Exactly. Um, yeah, so... Uh... <laughs> Ida asks if Rain can like make things more interesting, but they mostly defer. This is their third time at the Ifwat, and apparently it is the same challenges and people every single year until Ida showed up. Uh, Ida notices that they have a few ribbons already. This is what I was talking about when we say we see someone with ribbons. Yeah. So I, I, I would assume they're normally awarded to the participants, and then I guess either they voluntarily or mandatorily give them up to Faust if you go to Hexside. <laughs> But yeah, so these ribbons are from last year, because Rain has been coming here for three years. It's a bummer. Um, they introduce each other, themselves to each other, and Rain agrees to show Ida how to get a ribbon if she'll stick with them and try to have fun. Uh, we get a little bit of a montage now, uh, starting with the intelligence challenge, which I hate, because it is just a name that Pokemon challenge. Um, they show you a silhouette, uh, yeah, and then you have really to draw is, what yeah. you think it is. <laughs> Uh-huh, yeah. So the image, uh, the silhouette they're given is a perfect round sphere. And uh, Ida draws a butt. <laughs> Which, when combined with Rain's drawing, is a grudge ball. And that is the right answer, I guess. But this is a bad challenge. I'm pretty sure they just did this because they wanted to put a button there. <laughs> um, it's, it's much like how like we had that zoom in to like, the list of ingredients for the uh, potion back in episode 14 when it's like, they definitely zoomed in on the part that just had it cut off to just say ass now, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, seeing what boundaries yeah, they can I mean, push. And is I, it, I mean, it is, can we draw yeah, a button? Yeah, I mean, either did almost say, like, ass back in the followers of the coming day parade, but Luce looked at her and stopped her. <laughs> but can, can, I guess that is canon that either definitely swears around Luce, but not King. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny because in all the fan art of like somebody swearing usually it's like Abity or Ida covering Luce's ears and then beating up the person that's war <laughs> ah. yeah the um we don't actually see what the creativity challenge is but Ida and Rain use magic to make like a, a Rube Goldberg drink dispenser that also just happens to take the shape of the words this stinks <laughs> And the strength contest looks like it's supposed to be a duel, but instead Ida just curls up and Brain Fastball specials her at the other yeah. team, which counts as a win, yeah, I guess. Yeah, very big, like, Sonic Spin Dash kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so they're outside now on a break, and Ida's kind of musing over which ribbon she'll get before doing the Think Fast thing with her Grudge Ball, shooting it at Rain. Uh, they are able to catch it, complete with triumphant 80s sports synth sting, and she asks why they even come to these things, because they're not like everyone else here. They are cool. And this is where we absolutely get the crush beginning. This yeah, is 100%. Ida felt so fucking hard and quick for rain in this, this afternoon. Yeah, really? <laughs> it's wild, because, like, 
I mean, don't get me wrong, I know high school romance is a thing, but having that torch that you fell for them so fast and you've still got it 20 years later is yeah. wild. <laughs> it's cute, but unusual, that's yeah. all. Um, yeah, so uh, the school Brain goes to, I haven't mentioned this yet, but they're at St. Epiderm, and it is not cheap. Apparently it is a private school, but if Rain performs well, then they get a scholarship to go there. So uh, after they admit this, Ida kind of opens up about being here to keep herself from getting separated from Lilith, because Lilith's her only friend at Hexside. Which, again, just stabs us in the heart, <laughs> knowing where this all goes. Yeah. <laughs> it's... They're doing this all Oh, yeah, purpose. no, it's not I mean, yes, Dana Terrace did say that Season 2B was the pain part of Season 2. She was not lying, but also, we were not expecting this much. <laughs> Slap Season 2B. This baby can have so much trauma. Yep. <laughs> These kids, unfortunately, cannot have so much trauma. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um... Rain just kind of reassures Ida, uh, says, saying that after the closing ceremony, it's all over and they're home free. But... They uh, go back inside, where Terra announces that basically everybody earned a ribbon, but actually that the challenges were a joke, and giving out this many prizes is unfair, which is a uh, big boomer energy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is like, I mean, to be fair, this is like very much one of those, like, you go, like, and do, like, soccer as a kid, where it's like, you know, even if you get that last name, a prize for the dead last kids, because they want them to feel better, but it's like, I mean, Terra, these kids are getting, like, 14 to 16 or so. Let them have this. <laughs> well, I'm not sure that's quite true because she does say almost everyone earned a ribbon. So if it was a participation trophy fair, thing, fair. then clearly, some, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yes, it's very much the same. Back in my day, there were only three trophies. Energy. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't our idea, folks. You're the one who started giving out participation trophies. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> So she destroys the list of winners and announces one final challenge, a game of Covens versus Wilds in an enchanted hedge maze that she grows. Uh, the kids are split into two teams, Coven Witches and Wild Witches, and the Coven Witches have 20 minutes to capture all the Wild Witches. If they get all of them, then every Coven Witch gets a ribbon. But on the other hand, Wild Witches may earn a ribbon if they do well personally. It's an extremely biased system. Yep. Very much so. But also, it does technically live a little more freedom for the wild witches because they can get a ribbon even if they lose as long as they put on a good show so yeah. it's it's weird it's it's biased but also yeah. balanced in a unfair it's, way it's almost like the hell of plant coven is uh, spreading a bunch of propaganda for the coven system <laughs> uh, yeah so uh, naturally ida and rain are on opposite teams because that's how this goes um and though she is separated into the Coven Witch side, Ida basically evades all the fighting with some like clever acrobatics. She just gets the heck out of there, only to be confronted by a couple of other folks on her on her team. Um, they're talking about a kid who's probably the strongest witch here, and they're a bard. Isn't that wild? Um, and these two want Ida to help take to help them take Rain out, since Rain is the biggest threat. <laughs> Outside the maze, uh, Bump confronts Terra, pointing out that this game is actually against school rules, convention hall rules, and child safety law, 
But she just destroys the rule book and insists that she makes the rules. So again, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ter- Ter- Teres is asking the que- Teres is asking questions here about why child labor laws exist. Maybe we should get rid of them because <laughs> hey, you never know. That's yeah. that's what Tara thinks. But yeah, so um, at this point, Rain is the only wild witch left, which is bonkers there must be some time dilation here because it's like 12 seconds from the start of the game to rain being the only one left (laughs) but uh yeah they are cornered by two of the coven kids until ida takes them out and it turns out that these two were the last coven kids so ida and rain are the only ones left here um since she betrayed her own team tara assumes that ida wants to fight rain one-on-one and takes away the maze to give them room to do that since they're the last two in the game uh, the crowd is just thrilled, except for Bump, and then they charge each other with, like, a, a weird... It's it's supposed to be an anime cross-counter, but it's extremely wimpy. Like, <laughs> neither of these kids have any muscles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At which point, they actually do an elaborate and choreographed dance routine that ends with them attacking Terra. <laughs> Yeah, it t- turns out uh, in order to have a perfectly choreographed dance routine with somebody that you don't know as much and haven't practiced with, you have to be queer as hell. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. They, they did do it a little bit earlier. Um, you saw them doing yeah, that, parts that's of fair. this as like a secret handshake after some of the other challenges, yeah. but it wasn't like this whole no, thing. It's not like it's a little bit more. OK, you can understand this a little bit more as like something that they at least are a little bit more coordinated with rather than on the spot compared to Lucy and Abby's dance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, this attack doesn't really face her, although it does burn her hair a little bit. Um, she approaches very ominously, and then she says she likes their defiance, and especially Reigns. At this point, she attempts to poison everyone in the building because these two disobeyed, and you can't reward... I don't understand why mass murder is the solution <laughs> to this, but I guess I'm not a weird psychopathic plant yeah, lady. Yeah, you're, you're not the fastest um, plant person. <laughs> but yeah, when she finds out that this is also illegal, she instead just declares that there won't be any ribbons at all this year and that everyone loses. Um, everybody is very upset about this, understandably, and I feel like they could probably put in a complaint to the Ifwat like control board or whatever but they're just mad at Ida (laughs) Uh, at which point Bump comes over to tell Ida how proud he is because like he's gonna get fired and she'll probably end up selling garbage at the night market but he's proud of her for standing up to Terra and he's also wrong she sells garbage at the day market take that Um, (laughs) he probably still gave her the idea though (laughs) this year that's possible (laughs) um So, uh, yeah, Tara kind of overhears this conversation, and she's actually mildly upset about this. And she says she'll let Faust know that she was very impressed with Ida and Bump both, because uh, prodigies like Ida need to be nurtured, or, you know, mind-controlled, whichever. Mm-hmm. Um, so back at Hexside, uh, Ida is having lunch with Lilith and trying to tell her about Ifwat, but Lilith is just not listening, reading a book the whole time. And then she takes off to get to study group. Uh, for the Emperor's Coven tryouts and leaves Ida alone. Um, This is what I was talking about earlier because 
I mean, we were, you said at the beginning that seven months from now their relationship will deteriorate, but like it's already yeah, is like, at like this it, point. They're just yeah, that that bit early on when Ida was able to like easily answer that trick question and everything when Lilith didn't think that it was a trick question, like very much planting the seeds of like Lilith starting to realize her sister is way better at her and yeah, no, it's depressing how it goes for them. Yeah, it, it's it's just so fast, because from the beginning of the episode to now, she's, like, lost all interest in her sister. Yeah, it's been, like, a weekend. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why um, Ida didn't try to tell her this at home, but I understand that we needed them in the cafeteria for this. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe, maybe like, uh, the thing was on Sunday, and when Ida got home, it was, like, she was too tired, or Lilith was busy studying or something, so she didn't get a chance to tell her yet. Yeah, that could be. Um, so, with her lunch, Ida got a box of Goulade, which she tries, but just hates it. She has not had good luck with liquids in this episode. At which point, Rain appears, offering to trade for their apple blood. Um, this is the point where Ida realizes now that Rain lost their scholarship, so she was kind of behind on that one, but <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um... They wanted to transfer anyway, apparently. At least they're saying that. And uh, their parents hated how cold it was on the knee, which I guess tells us where St. Epiderm is. Mm -hmm. I kind of wonder if their parents are working remotely now, or if they had to get new jobs entirely so they could send their kid to a new school, but that's not really touched on at all. Yeah, yeah, and the flashback ends with Ida trying apple blood for the first time and loving it. And we zoom out to Ida saying that she and Rain were inseparable after that, at which point she discovers that everyone around her has fallen asleep because she was busy flashbacking and lost all sense of reality. Yeah, I, I, I like the fact that like, we've been like, writing like notes and doodles about the backstory to the point where like, the last one is her just being like, no, getting sleepy must resist, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, on that page, she also did one of those weird, hyper-realistic portraits that she yep. tried to sell Morton back in the... Sure did. I don't like it. I, I don't like the way these look. I'm sorry. They're creepy. <laughs> but yes, this one is Ida and Rain, and it's hyper-detailed in a weird way. <laughs> but yeah, um, so Ida's part of this episode ends by looking at the stars and saying that she hopes Rain is okay. And then we cut to the castle where Rain is sitting on the battlements. Uh, Tara greets them, saying how disappointed she was that they were causing trouble, but she's glad that they're back now. Uh, they do complain about a persistent headache issue, but she tells them to just keep drinking the weird tea she provides and they'll forget about the pain. Not that it won't hurt, mind you, just that they won't remember yep. hurting later. She is a terrible herbalist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Rain blows on the drink to cool it off before drinking it, whistling a little bit at the same time, and Tara leaves. At which point, uh, Rain's demeanor changes entirely, and a tiny abomination appears to hand them a detailed drawing of a draining spell. Uh, apparently, they have just been faking the mind control this whole time. <laughs> yeah, that that, which, that that moment yeah, when you look back rad. on the beginning of the episode when they did the the like the drink composition editing thing beforehand <laughs> it's like when you remember that it's like you know you then like go like oh right fuck they did that back at the start of the, uh, in uh episode 11 when they were given the tea the first time yeah. 
And it's like, oh, fuck, yeah, it's, like, cool that it's just, like, a subtle little thing that you wouldn't have noticed until now, where it's like, oh, right, yeah, they are completely fucking lying again to the Emperor and his students. <laughs> yeah, so this is where I feel like we have enough information to agree that Rain is the coolest, baddest, kick buddiest witch to ever yeah. live. At the beginning of the episode, not so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um... So, uh, it's not super clear what this draining spell is, but during an eclipse they can drain something through nine powerful witches using the coven sigils as a conduit. There's also a note that the door is being moved. Um, Rain seems to know what's being drained here, even though it doesn't say on the paper, and asks how to counter it, at which point the abomination provides a slip of paper with Ida's name on it. But, uh, they say no, because they won't put her in danger again. I feel like they got this at the end of Ida's Requiem when they saw that she was willing to um, explode herself yep. to fight mm-hmm. the plan. For a really bad plan, I might <laughs> add. But <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of weirdness about that particular scene now that we know some more stuff about what's going yeah, on. Yeah, we, we still have full context for uh, that bit near the end of Ida's Requiem, which presumably we'll get some soon, considering they are really just keeping up the pace of like yep let's answer the fucking questions let's go get the shit done <laughs> yeah. yeah um so they disintegrate these notes with a whistle and they blow off into space um this episode has also done a lot just for the principle of bard magic at all because before this i don't think we knew that you could do magic by whistling and the fact that you can makes it a lot more effective than needing a cello or whatever yeah like it's, it's always been before like using a musical instrument basically yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, the uh, episode ends as Rain looks up at the face of the Titan, promising to keep Ida safe. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> I remember when like when this title released, like when it got announced, like people thought that this was gonna be the Loose and Amity breakup episode, and it's like, oh and it's no, like, no and it's like I don't think that that would be something they'd really entertain. Like obviously they've like already like covered little bits of like you know, rough patches of their relationship, but it's like, I feel like it, Dana would not do that exactly, just because, it's like, she had to fight tooth and nail to even get Lumi to be counted in the first place, basically. So I don't think that... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I don't feel like she would, like, rip them apart, but yeah, it's like, I remember people thinking that this was gonna be that episode, but it's like, no, very much not, at least. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, good episode, big episode. Yep important episode (laughs) it's also very funny again like when we saw that little abomination with the letter everybody was like is that darius helping them because of the hair and meanwhile oh yes i did not mention that but it definitely is and again meanwhile it doesn't take long for us to get confirmation that it's darius helping them (laughs) took exactly a week (laughs) or like 10 minutes in our case case, considering that we are recording right at the day after uh, Edge of the World released. Uh, <laughs> trying to see if I have anything else about this episode that didn't come up with. Uh, uh, no, I think that's everything already I had on this episode. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it is, it's still a good episode, but it kind of doesn't hit as hard as episode 16, which I guess we should get into, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. No, this one is the one that we're going to oh, talk boy, about. Oh, boy, yes, we are. <laughs> Again, my notes are three pages long. 
All right, so season two, episode sixteen, Hollow Mind, uh, begins in Medius Rest. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm not sure, but it's yeah. Luce is waking up in a weird corridor full of portraits of bellows, including one of his. I wrote this in air quotes. Triumph over wild magic that has herself eat a elephant king, cowering in fear of him, like very much of him towering <laughs> over them, being like, "Yes, I am victorious," and whatever the fuck, and. She just immediately bumps into Hunter, who shouts that, like, she got them trapped in Bells' mind, and after, again, like, the, like, sorry, I'm forgetting, this, is, we don't actually have the credits, it's just, like, the intro card again with this one, right? I believe yeah, so, I think yes. So. And, like, it just cuts to that and, like, actually rewinds a bit in time, where Hunter, you know, goes and reminds her of what happened at the night market, where he was pursuing a trio which is who planned on invading Bells' mind. Um, real quick, there's something I want to note at the night market here, and I'm so sorry for what I'm about to do, but I have to. I don't have a choice. Um, so as you get the opening of the night market scene, there is a guy who's advertising that he is selling teeth and trading teeth and all mm -hmm. that. Uh, it's, it's a very clear voiceover, and that is Matt Chapman doing that voice. Uh, he's done a few things in the past, but uh, the reason I bring this up is because it is very much I don't know if this is deliberate or if it's accidental it's just a coincidence but this is exactly the voice that the voice actor Jeff Bennett does for the character Hacha Cha Cha in the Powerpuff Girls movie <laughs> okay I and yeah I thought you were bringing it up because mm -hmm. of the uh the theory that the curator has from yesterday's lie about witches and demons being after a human thief <laughs> <laughs> uh no not not that yet but, um, so the thing is, um, Jeff Bennett, who voiced Hacha Cha Cha in the Powerpuff Girls movie, is supposedly going to be in the Owl House within the next few episodes. It's supposed to happen this season, <laughs> and we don't know what role he plays yet. So this just feels really weird to me. It's super strange. Uh, all have... right, then. Well. And yeah, I yeah. I'm getting out my conspiracy board. <laughs> See, I didn't actually know who Hacha Chacha was because I never really watched Powerpuff Girls. I guess he's just like another Mojo Jojo, basically. Uh, yeah, so the plot of the Powerpuff Girls movie is that Mojo makes dozens and dozens of super apes thinking that he's going to lead them as their, you know, lord and master, but then they're all super intelligent and have their own schemes to take over the world and they fight oh, each okay. other, so... I was kind of expecting that to go the route of uh, them being stupid babies, like in uh, the second Ninja Turtles live-action movie, ha! where it's like Shredder being like, I will make my own super mutants to fight the turtles, and it's like they're just baby idiots because they just took like a random like dog and turtle who were apparently were infants. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, there, there's tons of them in this movie. Hacha Cha Cha is one that I very clearly remember because he gets a whole song about what he's doing. Oh, I gotcha. But, like, mm -hmm. Uh, Rocco Sacco is a gorilla. Um, I don't remember most of their names. There's too many. Baboon Kaboom was a baboon <laughs> who built a giant baboon robot that shot bombs out of its butt. Um, That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there was an entire group of like tiny flying spitting monkeys that called themselves the did it did it. <laughs> I don't even remember. There's too many monkeys. I like how this is a follow mind that's gotten more about Power of Girls than else. Just for the moment. Yeah. This guy doesn't show up again, so I won't talk about him that's anymore. Fair. Okay. 
But yes, the trio, which is that Hunter is doing, are pretty familiar. As one wears glasses and has like a musical instrument, one transforms their arm into an abomination mallet, and the third is short and has glowing yellow eyes and a tuft of brown orange hair poking out of their head. I'm sure we'll never discover who these three people are at all. Never. Not at all. Nope. <laughs> yes, the smallest member tosses the vial at the abomination one who drips some goop in it to turn the vial yellow, then place it on the ground to prepare to smash it. But then, Luce interrupts with her own account of what happened, and I very much like the fucking VCR rewind effect they have here. It's very goofy, where it's like she just wants to tell her take on what happened love to this. It's not, it's not very unexpected transition, but I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. So she tells her uh, account of earlier where she and Ida wanted to get her, which is wool, uh, click repaired. And just wanted to get like more wool to fix it. And she's having some fun talking to King over bunny-shaped walkie-talkie. I'm not sure exactly why they really have the walkie-talkie, aside from the contrivance of somehow they can talk to them still while they're trapped in Bells' mind later on. Well, sure, they need a way for Eden yeah. to know to get True, <laughs> but it's also, like, in this context of, like, the fact that King came with them and it's just, like, around the corner in an alleyway, it's like, they can hear each other without the walkie-talkie. They're just goofing off and having fun. <laughs> Pretty fun. I mean, to be fair, maybe the only thing that's really found these walkie-talkies that are just, like, trying them out for practice or something. But yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, Ida's friend Prim finally answers the door, and it's revealed to us that Ida cannot be seen with her anymore since she finally decided to join a coven and just turns him away and closes the shop. This annoys Luce, who hammers on the door saying that Bells is just full of shit and lies to everybody, and that she, but she came and talked to the Titan. I like, again, that I am proven right here based on that, because Luce is on the same... Wavelength is me, because so I remember back in the season one finale we did with Mike, where I was like, I bet Bellows is just full of shit and can't talk to the tide, and he's probably just pulling the wool over people's eyes. I think <laughs> I'm right on that, <laughs> considering that it seems like it's going that direction. <sighs> I honestly don't remember what I said, but it was probably something contrarian just to keep the uh, discussion interesting, so I was probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the full details, I just remember I brought it up being like, I think he's full of shit. <laughs> Turns out he's full of shit. <laughs> I think if I'm, I'm... It's a vague memory, but I think what I said was is that I thought he could talk to the Titan, but that he was just, like, lying about what it was right, saying. Right, yeah. I, I, that sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, it might be, again, as we saw with uh, the, the Titan basically trying to prevent him from finding the glyphs back in the day. It's probably that the Titan has been working along, uh, against him forever and is, like, basically trying to, like, do whatever he can to stop him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ida tells Luce that she has to be careful what she says because, like, everybody's just fucking used to this shitty situation for the last 50 years and, like, she's not gonna convince anybody without evidence. And King basically says the same thing of, like, they're not gonna, like, just change their mind and stop believing in a person that they followed for all their lifetimes without any evidence. And she then spots Hunter from earlier and follows him and tackles him to ask him some questions about Bellas. And then we get back to where it was, with the glasses person summoning a smoke cloud to escape with their companions, and then Zinger at Luz, Hunter accidentally steps on the vial that was left behind by them, and activates the spell circle on the floor, but he drops his, uh, staff that is, uh, fucking flapjack. We can finally say flapjack! They're gonna say it in like two minutes from here, but I'm saying flapjack <laughs> here and now. Finally we get confirmation of this bird's name that we've known for like a month and a half now. It's, a uh, I just want to point out here, he is following those three witches with his normal, like, artificial staff, but as soon as, like, they disappear, he kind of just, like, tosses it aside and pulls out Flapjack instead. I, I guess it's because, like, he knows that Luce already is aware of Flapjack, because, like, Amity would have told him yeah. anyway. 
but it's i mean maybe he's also like just way like been practicing is like way better at magic with using flapjack compared to his artificial staff anyway it's just it's just an interesting note that he actually like puts down his like other staff and takes out flapjack instead <laughs> yeah but yes uh, like i said uh yeah that brings us to the present where we started the episode at where lucy decides to use the opportunity to try to learn the truth about bellows anyway and she notices that willow's mindscape was much more inviting since it actually had like foliage and hunter admits that he has studied mindscapes and how they mirror the individuals so that's probably why it's different he then spots a painting of bellows protecting people from a burning village and doesn't really like take much for him to confide that wild magic wiped out their family and that bellows is doing good for the world via the coven system he didn't get that much into detail back when he first last met Luce in episode 6 of the season, but he did say that, like, he is a powerless witch, but, like, I don't think he... T I'm pretty sure he didn't talk about his family in that one. So, it doesn't take much of his boy to just spill the beans, it seems. <laughs> yeah. He spots some more propaganda about how sigils protect people from themselves and make the Titan happy, but then spots a painting of when he inherited the staff from Bellows. He notes that he never found out what happened to his, his uh, predecessor, the previous Golden Guard, and that for some reason Darius looks a bit sad in the painting. Which, oh boy, good guy, good dad Darius. <laughs> uh, yeah, Luz looks back at the painting of herself and her friends and touches it, and it's not like something that's like really like made apparent in the episode, but it doesn't do that whole Mario 64 watery effect like the Winds and Willows mindscape did. So it's like it's very much like trying to convey the audience that this is a bunch of bullshit. This is not the real mindscape, basically. But yeah, she hears a child <laughs> crying at that point and sees a small child wearing a wooden mask and carrying a wooden sword. And by accident, both she and Hunter ask Bellows because uh, Hunter is instead had seen a different outline of somebody who looks like Bellows, which is basically like an more or less like I described as like an astral projection of Bellows. It's like a, basically like just like a dark, starry night sky like silhouette of him. In like his normal like outfit with his horn mask and everything. But yeah, Hunter asks him to bring them back to the real world, but the child desperately waves his hand at the as the outline of Bellows instead roars and grows like roars and grows many blue eyes all over its body. And Luce kind of freaks out and blasts them away with a fire lift to try to get in between them and actually knocks both of them through the false mindscape into the real one, which I like the fact that it also just ripped apart like an actual painting. Like, this is just another fake <laughs> memory of stuff that's just papered over the other stuff. <laughs> but yeah, they... yeah, this was a very cool thought to me. I just... I, I wonder how long he's been maintaining this fake gallery of memories, you know? I, I would think pretty much as soon as he came to power, if not longer, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't see as many of the different uh, portraits in the fake gallery. It's really just more that ones that are like recent and then like the one with the burning village that we'll get back to in like a yeah. few minutes anyway. So it's like it probably goes on for a long time. But yeah, they were just in like the general vicinity and easily got immediately got distracted and had to go elsewhere. But yeah, they get to the real mindscape and it looks like a withered forest with slash paintings compared to like Willow's very verdant forest with the paintings well intact once they fix that but burned up because of Amity's interference. <laughs> Uh, Luz says that <laughs> the other gallery was made of all the lies Bellows tells people, and Hunter at this point like spots a broken bird talisman on the floor, which he picks up, and it just crumbles in his hand, and his hand noticeably trembles at the sight, because this bird kind of also looks a bit like Flapjack at this point. It's, it, it's, yeah. got, it's got like a busted eye, just like Flapjack. It's a different design of a bird, but it's pretty close, and clearly... Yeah, we're gonna get a, a, a fair amount of 
or talisman imagery yep. in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder if he's like subconsciously influencing it, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's a Could lot. Be, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, Hunter retorts that Luz provoked inner Bellows, which they at this point think that the like blue eye astral projecting the Bellows is inner Bellows. But at that point, Luz's walkie talkie uh, perks up with Ida's voice on the other line. And at this point, again, like I said, we finally get the Cardinal called Flapjack because, like, at one point, uh, Hunter grabs the talkie-talkie to talk to Flapjack and, like, tells him to be safe and also that he loves him. It's very cute. <laughs> I like the fact that both Ida and yeah. King aw at the fact that he says he loves his bird talisman. But yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, Luce, before we get to that, actually, Luce explains to Ida where they are, and Ida asks, or rather, she asks if there can be two inner cells, but Ida says no, but that strong emotions can materialize. So that's why they think that the child is potentially doing that. Uh, she also warns them of being consumed by the mindscape, which Hunter explains that there's no escape from if they get just pulled into it, so they gotta watch out for inner bellows, I guess. King and Ida assure her that they'll make a spell to get them out, and Hunt, like I said, Hunter grabs a radio, talk to Flapjack real quick. But then Kid Bellows finds them, and Luce theorizes that Kid Bellows is Bellows' sense of guilt, but Hunter just brushes off with more pro-Bellows propaganda, saying that he's obviously his, like, sense of innocence. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this poor boy is gonna get his whole fucking worldview shattered in about ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kid Bellows agrees to help them learn the truth, and also to avoid Inner Bellows, and they jump into the burning village portrait from before after hearing Inner Bellows roar again and approach. But back at the Owl House, Ida, King, and Owlbird, and Flapjack arrive and begin gathering ingredients for the spell while Hoodie locks down the house and activates its defenses. It's funny that, like, we haven't actually really seen Hoodie do this back when the Emperor's Coven attacked in uh, the season one <laughs> part, the first part, one part of the finale. But also at that point, like, Hoodie was just straight up doing the defense himself directly by just killing people by yeah. shoving his face through their necks. <laughs> so. I don't know what's changed well, here. He's just like I guess more on like house defense rather than the offense. That makes sense, but like later in the episode, we're gonna see him with the window wide open, sticking his head through the window. Yeah, yeah? and that is not exactly what I would call locked down defense. Anybody could just shoot an arrow through the window. Uh-huh. <laughs> he has shutters that go across the windows. I guess he just lifts one up to just talk to them real quick. But it's still leaving a pretty wide open area of the house that people could get into or attack from. <laughs> yeah, not to mention while he's in there, people could just get him from behind while he can't see it. Yeah, <laughs> also that. But yes, uh, Ida admits that this is going to be tough about magic, and we see that three witches from earlier have followed them there. Uh, Abomination shakes their head at glasses to not get involved, but when they hear Hootie talking to Flapjack about how Hunter is also trapped inside Bell's mind, Abomination just fully acts concerned, just going against what he, what they just told uh, Glasses not to do. And Glasses decides <laughs> to come up with a compromise, writing the note that they know how to get around the bird, owl, tube, whatever Hootie is. I, I, I especially like the little bit that it's just like more and more words of like just crossed out, like, I don't know what the fuck Hootie is. But yeah, this guy, that thing. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, back in the memory, Luce and Hunter see Bellows declare to townsfolk that the time has taught him the healing light of the coven system, and that the town at that point erupts into explosions, and Bellows declares it's the wild witches trying to stop him, spread his word, and then they is spotted by Luce and Hunter shouting at an older golden guard about how he almost killed him with the explosions as they're about to like head out back into the mindscape, and... Yeah, it basically just confirms that they are just attack the town to try to sell the coven pe- system to ignorant people. 
and they go to depart for the next town, but not before Bellison strikes the Golden Guard to set off the rest of the explosives. And on their way out of the memory, King Bellows grabs a little bag. Like, I guess it's because, like, Kid Bellows is part of the memory that he can actually do this. It's a bit strange that he can actually, like, take physical objects from other memories to bring into the Mindscape at large, but it's all memory and... Yeah, it's all sure. memory and, like, <laughs> it's very, like, Persona-y of, like, this is, like, your your mind makes it real kind of deal, I guess, is what's going on with this kind of stuff. But yeah. Uh, on the outside, back in the Mindscape, Hunter once again tries to defend what he saw and that Bello, what Bellows did is for the greater good, tries trying to help people. And they flee again from another Bellows into another painting where Kid Bellows takes some rope from a witch in it during the process of this. And it's Bellows and Golden Guard meeting nine witches from the same town on a snowy hill to show them the damage wild magic does, saying it like just fully destroyed their city. And after Bellows warns them about how wild magic can damage a soul, they all agree, in their fear of what's going on, to be branded with the Coven Sigils by the Golden Guard. Who I like I noticed that like it's kinda similar to like the branding glove that they used in or that they wanted to use on like Lose while he was in Eva's body back in episode eight of season one, rather than just like the way they do it mostly was just like having a person from the coven do it themselves. Obviously, we find it over decades changes this, but yeah. Yeah. But yes, the sigils immediately paralyze the witches who collapse into the snow, and after Bello says that the sigils shouldn't have just paralyzed them, he orders the Golden Guard to elect their palisman, and the two depart, leaving in the snow, pretty much presumably to die, because. Again, Bellows was expecting this to just kill them, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and after they return to the Mindscape, Hunter once again defends what he saw, saying that Bellows was just trying to refine the sigils and that he might be missing, that Bellows might be remembering things wrong. And then he also tries to claim that nobody knows how Mindscapes work, which Lucy maybe calls him out on, saying, like, I thought you said you studied this, asshole. And he's like, well, maybe I'm just an idiot. <laughs> which, Oh boy, Hunter, you you kind of are accidentally being an idiot here, but also you were just fully into the propaganda. It's not your fault, definitely. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, he then chases after Kid Bellows in like, a bit of a fit of anger, but Inner Bellows appears before them, and they instead have to flee into another painting, where they see that it's actually from recent, because it's when Bellows has repaired the portal door in that room he keeps it in. And like while they discuss the fact that like Hunter was aware of this because he helped rebuild it, it's like during a sign that Kid Bellows is grabbing some potion vials from across the room. And Bellows meets <laughs> the Collector in that room because the Collector apparently is just kind of chilling here. It's like a weird like shadow on the wall. And as the Collector is like basically shows up in front of Bellows, they say a rhyme here that I'm going to just repeat verbatim. Because, oh boy, this fucking lyric or limerick has a lot of bad <laughs> implications. Yes, the Collector says, To you who stay stray from so far from home, to me who's trapped beneath these bones, play forever, me and you, when you paint the land in thine bright hues. And, like, during this, it's like, it looks like the Titan, like, roars back to life, and just people around it are in fear and just, like, get turned to dust. So, again, not great implications of what the Day of Unity actually is. <laughs> no, no, yeah. not at all. But Bellos asks what he can do for them, and I know that Dana Terrace has said that the collector uses he, they pronouns, like, interchangeably. I'm just using they, them here, just because at this point we really haven't, like, gotten it confirmed in the show itself, and also, I've, That's yeah, fair. I mean, it's also just, like, I, the collector is also, like, we don't really know what their deal is as a thing, so it's, like, it this feels a little bit more fitting. But yeah. But yeah. Unfortunately, that does qualify them to be a weirdo and we do have to stick together so i think we can make an exception for this kid though 
Yeah. <laughs> the collector just says that they're bored and want to know when the draining spell is ready yet, as the Day of Unity will apparently involve the, themselves somehow. And uh, at that point, Past Hunter from right after Eclipse 8 arrives and the collector hides from sight as they as Hunter approaches. And he like says that you know he's like he says that Bellos knew that he didn't want to go to Eclipse Lake, but if he didn't go, he wouldn't found this. And like pulls out the portal key, which Bellos just eagerly grabs and immediately dismisses Hunter from the room. And once Hunter's left, the collector reappears, saying that he expected Bellos to just like go full, bleh, like doing like a whole like shadow silhouette of Bellos with like his weird like goop tentacle arm <laughs> things, like just fully like implicating that yeah I was expecting you to just fucking murk that kid right here and there, but yeah. yeah. Uh, and he also, uh, Bellows just gloats about how Hunter's obedient, and since he believes that the plan has big plans for him, and he tells him, like, jump, and Hunter basically says how high is the thing. And, uh, yeah. He then admits that the, pre- air quotes, previous attempts didn't do as they're told, and the Collector just accuses them of destroying, air quotes, those things for fun. Bellows does kind of smirk when the collector says this, but at, like off panel, he or not off panel, off screen, he does say that he doesn't actually have fun doing it since it hurts every time a golden guard betrays him. So then, yeah, yeah, this is yeah. something that's really interesting to me, just because um, I don't know if Hunter sees enough to know what's going on yet. Yeah, like, like obviously he knows the previous golden guards were probably destroyed by bellows but i don't think he knows that he's a clone at this point yeah that's the thing oops sorry i should have spoiled that <laughs> uh, i mean we've been we've been talking about how this boy might be a clone for ages ever since we were covering the end of season one when mike was also around <laughs> so I feel, again also everybody in the foul house fan community once they saw the grimwalker book was like that's definitely hunter's deal he is a fucking match clone no no everybody kind of already <laughs> figured it out <laughs> so yeah but yeah, it could also just be, like, he knows, obviously, like, the other guards are gone, but yeah, he probably doesn't get the context yet of, like, him being a magic clone. Because also, in the in the magical world, I feel like clone isn't a term that people know of. <laughs> like, yeah. admittedly, even though, like, Bellos is from the fucking 16, late 1600s, he probably doesn't actually know what the term clone obviously is. Like, he, pro- he probably yeah, thinks, like, he probably thinks Earth is, like, still the same as it was back then when it's like, no, my guy, <laughs> it's the 2020s now. <laughs> But yeah. Uh, I can't wait for him to open the portal to Earth and step through, only for his glyphs to stop working and him to immediately <laughs> get devoured by his curse. Yeah. <laughs> or, it's like, a lot of people also joke about, like, what will happen the first moment that uh, Bellows enters the human world, where people are like, oh, uh, Hunter's gonna mistake him for a deer because he'll see his horse and just shoot him <laughs> and just kill him right then and there. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, they exit that memory, and Luce says that it sounds like Bellows wants to kill off everyone in the demon realm. And tells Hunter that he could stay with them at the Animal House rather than go back, because Ida would be fine with it once she had the context of what the fuck's going on. And they <laughs> then immediately see a corridor of many portraits of dead golden guards with their meth broken and scattered about. And oh boy, it's, if you like freeze frame and see some of these, there's some of them are really fucked up. There's one where a golden guard was fucking buried alive, and it's like his hand is desperately trying to like reach out of the ground to get himself out. <laughs> it's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yes, uh, at that, uh, Kid Bellos is, like, cracking another mask in half and, like, throwing it into... It looks like he set up a snare of some sort. There's, like, a bit of, like, rope. Like, it's, like, one of those, like, classic, like, rope snares for, like, trapping a rabbit or something like that, where he's throwing it in there and, like, setting it on fire in the process. And, (laughs) yeah, uh, basically, like, 
Deuce and uh, Hunter try to like stop him from doing that because they're like, why would he do that? Which, but it's immediately revealed that it was a way to lure Inner Bellows into the trap. And after it forms, a voice from Inner Bellows calls out to them, and again I have this written down repeatedly, get away from him, danger, danger, run! And it's like a little like, I guess like childish voice is like the closest I could describe it as. It's definitely not like more of an adult voice. It's, it's like yeah. high pitched definitely. And at this point, Luce realizes that the various, like, eyes on him, which now have, like, kind of formed more into, like, the shapes of, like, creatures, is that it's actually a bunch of palacemen, not actually bellows. And Hunter immediately also, at that point, realizes that they weren't running from the inner bellows, and that, in fact, the inner bellows was with them the whole time, at which point, Kid Bellows is crying, turns to maniacal laughter as he activates the trap, which, like, blasts the palacemen amalgamation with vowels that kind of look a lot like Eater's elixir. And also, just like the, the rope activates, it just binds it together and just makes it fall to the ground. And at this point, Kid Bellows finally drops his disguise and becomes actual present-day Bellows. And he explains that the Palisman souls have been constantly nagging him for ages. And like at this point, the uh, amalgamation seemed like it's just fully dissolving. Like I guess like the elixirs themselves were using being used to like destroy it or whatever. And he grabs it. Yeah, I don't know what that was that he got, but it sure did yeah. peel a soul out of him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he grabs a bird talisman from the amalgamation as it's dissolving and just kind of gloatfully like, breaks it in his hand as Hunter once again flinches at the side of a bird getting hurt. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fellow sarcastically thanks him for distracting it. And Hunter finally decides to believe what he's seen throughout this whole episode and accuses him of what became of the other Golden Guards. And also finally realizes that wild magic really never hurt their family <laughs> at all. And Fellows <laughs> then just like kind of dismissively says that Hunter was the Grimwalker that looked the most like him. Not explaining who, but we are also pretty much everybody figured out it's his brother. And then he begins dragging Hunter down to the depths of his mind. Luce tries to save him from being consumed by the memoriescape by just tossing her jacket towards him, like in the whole like, gr like take my like grab a rope kind of deal. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but it's like Luce, despite the fact that she no longer has strong, uh, weak nerd arms, is still not enough to prevent him and the dagger from being like pulled down to the depths. And Bellas remarks to himself that he expected Hunter to last longer than the others, kind of implying that this Hunter has lasted the shortest out of the rest, basically. <laughs> And at the very yeah. least, he lasted average at yeah, best. Yeah, not, not, not better or worse than most, but also not the longest. But probably worse. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Lou shouts that she's going to tell everyone about the truth about him in the Day of Unity, and Bellos then admits that this has all gone on for longer than he would have liked, but hey, nobody ever said that being a witch hunter was ever easy. And then Luce just... This is, this is like one of the few cases where Luce just legitimately gets so fucking actually pissed. This, this person's little like Ray Sunshine of this Luce and Seda for once actually getting like fully just so angry. And she, yeah. she's, she's just furious about how people I've been mindlessly following and helping somebody like a witch hunter that wants them all dead. But Bellows kind of does the whole like, yeah, you shouldn't throw uh, stones in glass houses here at Luce because he immediately summons the memories of Phyllis meeting with Luce back in Elsewhere and Elsewhere. Which immediately just sends Luce collapsing to her knees when she realizes that Bellos is just Philip in actuality. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> These kids can fit not in enough trauma. <laughs> These kids are not as strong as uh, the show wants us to think. <laughs> but yeah. Back at the Emerald House, Ida is just failing at making a spell to reverse this, and Hootie goes to answer a knock at the door, like, 
Again, this is what you said. He is just fully like circumventing the protection of the house by just sticking his head out through the window to be like, "Oh, there's not a, there's not a door. I'll handle this." And like a whole like, like big like bouncer kind of deal, like this the shine on his glasses, wearing it. Which is, I don't know where he got glasses <laughs> from or how he wears them, considering birds do not have ears. But whatever, who did he find a way? But yes. Well, Hootie specifically does not have yeah. ears. I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, after Ida cannot assure King that everything will be okay, uh, Hootie re-enters with a bouquet of flowers from a secret admirer, as he puts it, which he puts them in a vase, 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 however you want to it. At which point, the uh, like yellow parts of it uh, turn into the vase contents from earlier, and like it's. Um. Well, I do just want to note that there was water in that vase, so it is a very good thing that this potion isn't messed up by diluting yeah. it, because it just goes right in there. Yeah. I mean, presumably it would also need like a base of water for whatever they're combining it with in the first place anyway. But yeah, uh, Ida immediately like, sees a note that came with it, sees that it's like the spell to get them out of the mindscape, and she goes to the window to try to like see who would have like actually left it, but she's able to see like one of the three from earlier darting into the woods. Pretty sure it's not the smallest one because they are like regular human adult size. So I'm pretty sure it wasn't the little fuzzy creature one. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, she decides to focus on the spell first and foremost before figuring this out. And the note does say that it does require a potent power source, which King tells her to use the last of their Titan blood. And Ida hesitates about using it, but King argues that you know she won't ever be able to get back home if she can't get back here, which. Fair. It doesn't. It doesn't. It sucks. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't feel great. But at the same time, it is sound logic of like, yeah, there's no chance of her getting back to the human realm if we can't even get her out of Bellus's mindscape. But yes. Uh. Yeah. She tells Lusa and the walkie-talkie that they're about to get her and Hunter out of there, but Lusa dropped the walkie-talkie earlier in the whole process of all this stuff going on. And like you yeah. do. I mean, it was a lot. Yeah. She also doesn't have her jacket anymore. It probably fell out the jacket like at the moment when she threw it to Hunter. But yeah, Luz grills Bellus about what Grimwalkers are, because he hasn't elaborated on it yet, and he says that Hunter is a better version of an old friend, but that thanks to her he'll have to make another one. <laughs> Again. <laughs> For who knows what, like the 30th fucking time probably at this point. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I seem to recall somebody saying that there were 17 masks in that corridor. Yeah, that's, that's fair, they didn't count, yeah. Because like, there definitely is like, there's like, portraits on each side and then there's one on like the end of the corridor like facing where they're looking yeah. so yeah it's probably like eight on each side and then the one so yeah definitely a lot <laughs> is the thing <laughs> but, yeah uh, da, da, da. yeah uh, bellison says that he's doing all this to save humanity from evil which Luce immediately disagrees with and calls him the one who's actually evil here because it's like again bellos my guy you don't know what earth is like at this point you haven't been there since the late 1600s it's not great, but there has been progress in a lot of ways. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like most people, especially like uh, people like us, would be like, oh yeah, if we found a magic people, we'd be like, cool, fuck yeah. Wait, where, where can I sign up? <laughs> Rather than trying to just wipe them all out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, not for nothing, but if I discovered a magical land where one, magic was real, and two, there was no homophobia. Yep, sounds pretty good, right? <laughs> Sign yeah, me yeah, the fuck yeah. up. I, I don't need to go back home. I'll stay. And three, there's a giant library where people get lost <laughs> all the time, so they need replacement clerks. <laughs> but yes. Uh, after Luz like disagrees with him, he just argues like, "Well, you can't, uh, you can't uh, argue with crazy," and he immediately just turns his arm into like a big goopy scythe and tries to kill Luz here and there. 
but it's not by uh, Wall of Vines created by Hunter because apparently the jacket that he had was full of glyphs and he didn't get dragged too far down that he'd be able to, I guess, uh, use him to get back up and just get back <laughs> to her. Uh, Luce uses the fire glyph that she had on her to blast him away through the vines and also injures Bellus' arm at this big point because she was far as exactly where his arm was. And the two are able to. I do like that Hunter gets to use the glyphs here. Yeah. I think this is his first yeah, time. Yeah, it's it's so. like it's very cool that this season has got has had like other characters that don't like that have regular magic be able to actually use the glyphs still like because we had that family and now we have the Hunter where it's like they can use magic. Obviously, Hunter needs a staff to do so, but like he's still at least like trying. He also, I mean, he yeah. also said he practiced, like he studied wild magic like this. So it's like yeah, he's like fully like yep, I know what this one is. This is plants, obviously use this. <laughs> but yeah, after uh, they do that and Injured Bell is on, they're able to get past him while he's just re recoiling, and the two die for the walkie-talkie and tell Ida to get them out right now, which he does, and when they're back, Ida tells King and Hui not crowd them and asks them if they're okay, and it's all that Luce can do to just stare in horror as Hunter has a full-blown panic attack, very realistically descriptive here, of like or depicted here, where it's like, yes, this is exactly what a panic attack would be like. Because he's fully aware that Billis knows they were in his mind and that they cannot ever go back, that he can never go back to the castle. And Ida is trying to like help calm him down, but he just immediately rips off his uh, Golden Guard cloak in fear and runs from the house. And like, even though Luce is like pleading with him to come back and Flapjack follows him out of the house, he doesn't come back. And Ida and King ask her what happened in there, and she can only just look at them with the same horrified look on her face. Which has been announced, yeah. which we as we saw yesterday will continue on into the very beginning of episode seventeen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is a show for children, everybody. <laughs> uh. okay, okay, okay. I know that I'm off topic mm -hmm. here. I know that I am. But if she left Ida's jacket in the Emperor's minds, do you think that does anything to him to have a physical object in his mind now? <laughs> I mean, there's probably a few glyphs that ended up uh, falling out of the jacket in the process that are in the mines. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, oh, I definitely. Don't, I don't, you saw yeah. him. He dumped all over the place. I don't, I don't know what happens if you uh, jump inside somebody's memories and leave a physical object there. <laughs> <laughs> Does he just know how to play grudge me now? <laughs> well, I mean, she has the jacket with her. They, the hunter has the jacket when they get out of the mindscape, so they didn't leave. Oh, yeah. does he? Okay. Yeah, be well, because, because Luce wears it in the next episode, too. Like she, she has. Okay. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, to get yeah, it no. Because like, it, it got dragged with him when he got pulled into the mindscape, and like when he's on the the vine wall, he's holding it as well because that's where all the glyphs are in. And like, yeah, when they when they gotcha. when they run and get the walkie-talkie, he's holding it in his hands, and then just drops it when he's in the house. Yeah. Oh boy, that's episode sixteen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything else about these fucking crazy ass episodes? Uh, no, no, I don't. Um, there's too much. Yeah, there's too much. Honestly. Like, again, it's... like, a lot, of, like, especially during season 2B, I feel like I haven't had, like, any, like, actual, like, separate note section for my synopses, but also I'm covering, like, it all, basically. There's not much that you yeah. can just leave out anymore. <laughs> hey, rem yeah, it's... Remember when we... Like, where we are right now, um, we're currently at an hour 37 minutes in our recording, and that's gonna change with editing, but, like... Yeah, we don't normally cover both of our episodes that fast, and that's wild to me because it's like these are such big episodes that cover so much yeah. stuff, and yet they're also so overwhelming <laughs> that we barely even discuss it. We just have to get it all in. Yeah, you know? it's just like yeah, you just gotta process it and get it out. 
Which, hey, that, that's yeah. also how you help heal from trauma, so it makes sense that we do it this way, too. It's it's also, like, we aren't focusing as much on, like, introduction to, like, new characters that often, and, like, like stuff like relationships. Like, a lot of, like, the character relationships are established, so it's, like, it's less focusing on that stuff, yeah. and also, like, I feel like at this point we ain't getting the Lumini date episode, unfortunately. I don't think we have enough time. Uh, you never know. Well, considering that, like, I mean, in the in the very next episode, they established that the day of unity is only a week away. It's like, oh boy, that three weeks uh, went real fast between episode one and episode seventeen, or episode eleven and seventeen. A week is plenty of time. Lou still has to carve her palismant. <laughs> she still has to carve the palismant. Yes, this is true. She has it in her bag. Maybe she has her bag with her. <laughs> yeah. If there's nothing else there, I can move on to trivia, where I continue to get being proven wrong about how, again, I said there's not going to be much trivia in season two, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let's hit it. Sounds good. All right. Uh, I did not cover young Ida back when she was first introduced, but that's also because uh, she was actually voiced by somebody else originally. Because young Ida in episode 15 is voiced by Natalie Palamides. Palamides, okay. Again, me coming up with this whole idea and then realizing I can't pronounce fucking names to save my life. <laughs> But yes, she played Buttercup in the 2016 Powerpuff Girls, um, plays Mara in the Progressive Insurance commercials, that's one of her lead credits, <laughs> it's pretty funny, uh, played Fool Duke and Kid and Barrel in Star Wars The Force of Evil, and also appears as herself in Jackass Forever and Jackass 4.5. But yes, uh, jo- Young Rain is voiced by Blue Delario, who, they don't really have a lot of credits, their major one is that, like you mentioned to me before previously, they are, they play, uh, Adira Tall on Star Trek Discovery. But yeah, like, the reasoning why Blue the Barrio doesn't have many credits is apparently they only really started acting like three years ago, so that's why in Star Trek Discovery is like the biggest role they have. But yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the uh, they're also, first yeah, they're all, non-binary character in yeah, Star Trek, and, so they're breaking yeah, ground. <laughs> and they're also only like 24, I think, so it's like, yeah, they've got time, they'll have more roles. So this happens that they don't have many at the moment for us to cover. But yeah, uh, Young Lilith is voiced by Abigail Zoe Lewis, who actually was the original voice of Young Ida in Young Led Old Souls before being changed to play Young Lilith. Like, I think there's actually been three different people that have done Young Lilith's voice. I remember she had a different voice actor back in the flashbacks in season one, and at one point, I think in Knocked Out Knocked and Hootie's Door, I think she was just voiced by her actual current actress, and she just tried to make her sound younger, and they've just gone ahead and... Re- Got a third person to voice Young Lilith? I don't know. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm drawing a blank on this exactly the details, but I definitely remember that Lilith had a different voice in her previous appearance. Um, I do want to ask, and I, at the risk of saying something very incorrect, um, in the past we've, we've seen Young Ida voiced by Natalie Palamides before. I brought that up because I recognized the voice, right. even though we didn't cover her in trivia. You said that there was another voice actor for her? Uh, I think so, yeah. Uh, oh wait, huh. no, no, well, I mean, it, it was that, yeah, like, uh, Abigail Zoe Lewis was the original voice of young Ida before she became young Lilith instead. Huh. Yeah. Again, I'm going based on what Wikipedia says and what the Owl House Wikia says. They could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's what, it's, that's what they it's said. That's what I'm going based on. <laughs> Yeah, I've got uh, Natalie Palamides as Teen Ida in four episodes. Maybe there was, like, a younger Ida that we oh, saw may- in a flashback. Maybe, maybe she was a uh, little kid Ida from the, from the yeah, flashback yeah, of the, of the pain-sharing spell. Maybe that was what she did, yeah. Okay, well, now that we're clearing stuff yeah. up. <laughs> Sorry. But yes, uh, 
I forget if we covered Principal Faust's voice actor before. It sounds familiar because he's voiced by Eric Bauza. I don't remember if we've covered him on this, but he he's the voice of he's the voice of Willow's dad, Gilbert. So that's why I feel like this came up before, because he's also yeah I think yeah because he's correct. also Mister Wu in Amphibia and also like plays characters like Bugs, Daffy, Tweety, and Marvin the Marsum. So I feel like we covered him before. Yeah, yeah, we definitely covered yeah. him, but Principal Faust wasn't a yeah, thing back then, I, so we didn't have him yeah, on the Yeah, I think it came up at one point when we brought up Willow's dads. I think it was covered. But yeah, I have him in there yeah. too again, but yeah, it's that guy. And uh, Prim is voiced by Kimberly Books, who we, I definitely know we previously covered because she's the voice of Skara as well. And yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, you mentioned that we did see Alador, Dahlia, and Darius in the background of that episode, but we also saw Perry in that same shot. He's off on like the other side of the screen. Uh, Willow's dads are also there during the Ifwat ceremony, where it's like they went to a different school, or I think different schools. <laughs> and everybody's pretty sure that we also saw Bosch's moms, because we saw like the girl with three eyes and like the other girl that has hair that's a similar shade, and it seems like like Bosch's hair is like in the middle between the two of them. And they're also two potent extract students as well. So, like, people are pretty sure those are Bosch's moms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else do I have here? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. The the two different Golden Guards that we saw in those memories where they show up, both of them have different collars. So it seems pretty likely that they're different Golden Guards. Like, Bellows killed the first one after the fiasco at the town and built another one before meeting the people out on the snowy hill. It could also just be yeah, that yeah. seems pretty. It lovely. could also just be that like it's he just has a different outfit on, but it, I mean they're all voiced by the same guy who voices Hunter, obviously because they're all just magic clones of each other. So it's like it's hard to tell, <laughs> but he definitely has like different like collar thing around them. So it's like it's possible it's a different one. Uh, I would say even probable given the way Bellows yeah. is considering how little he gives a <laughs> shit about actually like having to make another Hunter. <laughs> yeah. Uh. The tiefly looking woman that we see during the sigil flashback, she's the one that like the memory focuses on when like the sigil first activates. She either actually survived or had a child prior to the flashback, because there's actually a medic that looks pretty similar to her in Amity's recollection of when she used the uh, when she used to be the Grudge captain in Winged Like Witches. Like there's like a medic that's treating one of the other students that got hurt doing the thorn whip and it looked or the, the <laughs> vine whip, it looked like very similar to her, but like slightly different hair. Well, I don't think it has to be previous. I mean, we get it established that they survived the sigil thing, so... I mean, they survived, but also they were left to par paralyze in the snow. They could have frozen to death. Like, this could just be, like, her daughter or, like, a granddaughter or something. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. I'm just saying that... It, yeah, it, it could I don't be the same. feel like she necessarily had to have a kid beforehand. Yeah. I, I just I just feel like Bellows leaving, like, uh, somebody alive like that, if he wasn't sure they would die in the snow, is, like, a very big glaring oversight on his part, considering that, like, you know, he tried to, like, introduce him to the covens and used it just to paralyze him to take their palisman. I feel like if he wasn't sure they were going to freeze to death, it would have been a big oversight on his part. <laughs> yeah, you can say. Bellow's also sometimes not the smartest person anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole point was that he, like, was supposed to be... The whole point from the deception of the the thing was that he was introducing them to this new and better way to do magic yeah. so and if, i don't feel like it's that much of a stretch to explain that something went wrong with it and um their palismans took off or whatever you know well i mean the the woman is like clearly breathing and i think she like moans a little bit so it's like it's possible she's like so conscious and aware of what's going on but just can't move <laughs> no, that's yeah 
Maybe, yeah. yeah. I don't know. We are looking too deep at a side character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once yeah, again. Steve Singleman doesn't have a name, so... I say this, and meanwhile, like, again, I would not be shocked at all if this tiefling woman's granddaughter herself come back at some point now that I brought it up again. <laughs> like, she doesn't have a name. She, oh, yeah. It's like no, me being like, oh, she, it's just her story. Yeah, it's like, oh, she the... doesn't have a name. She might not be important. It's like, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm putting my foot in my mouth then because I have done before. <laughs> yeah. This is how we learned how Bellos got his uh, immortality is that the next episode is just entirely from her perspective following through the <laughs> <Yeah>. years. <laughs> Yes, uh, Kid Bellis' mask kind of looks a bit like that of the player character from Hollow Knight. You know, the like little bug guy. And people do kind of see a bit of similarity between the fact that the episode is called Hollow Mine and there's a person that has a mask similar to the guy from Hollow Knight. <laughs> Probably just a coincidence with the title, but like the mask really does look a lot like... I mean, even like Bellis' current iteration of the mask very much looks like a Hollow Knight mask. I'll have to take your word on that one. I'm not familiar. Uh, Hollow Knight's is a great game so good <laughs> yeah uh and the big one that we have in this is uh, various portraits in the background that are actually like intricately designed to tell the story over the course of the entire episode it's just way they're not like out of order or anything tell the story <laughs> of how philip and his brother basically had a disagreement over hunting witches as the brother apparently fell in love with a witch who i know that this is also something that was brought up before in our little chat, but like she does look pregnant in some portraits and looks like she might have been a clawthorn based on her hair and her outfit. So, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I like the little comment you said of like, you can't call a witch pregnant or whatever. <laughs> whatever that thing you said was. But yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it helps that in some of those portraits, um, Widowbane very clearly has a knife. Oh, yeah. We'll see in, yeah. Um, Nita's hair. Yeah, later. the knife is in a lot of situations where it's like, yeah, no, no, it's not the knife. It's not the Nita's. Is it? I don't think it's Nita's. No, you're right. Yes, yeah, yeah, so it's no, not no. the hair knife. It's the yeah, other no, one. the knife uh, shows up in Young Blood Old Souls because like when Luce goes to Ida's like weapons room to like try to find something to help free her, she picked up a knife that has that same jagged design as the one Philip used. Which is which? Yeah. It's a very badly designed yeah, knife. Yeah, no, it, it, I want to be, it'd be very that. impractical. It would not be good for yeah. stabbing. But at the same time, like we do see that Philip used it to kill his brother, and like in one of the portraits, we see the witch like blasting with magic on his way running away. So it's possible he dropped the knife, and it became like a, a bad family heirloom in a sense, which is why it's now with Ida. But yeah, <laughs> we also see that like in one in different portraits that he actually like carved the glyphs directly into his arm. It's not a tattoo. It's just he basically mutilated his arm with it, and also that he mutilated his ears to look like a witch because there's definitely a part where like he's looking at his like ears and there's like the knife there and there's like a bit of blood on the knife. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. See, I get the ears thing, but the uh, carving magic symbols into your flesh seems like a bad move. I'm gonna well, be yeah, real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Hey, this guy is off his fucking rocker and thinks he's doing what's best for humanity, even at the cost of his own life or whatever. So, he's not sensible. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lot. Like, props to the people that saw those like various portraits in the background and like were able to like get good shots of them because it's really hard to notice them in the background of the episodes themselves. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And that's all I have in that episode of uh, trivia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Lucy's crimes count technically does go up because I'm pretty sure intruding in the mind of the emperor is a oh, crime. Yeah, yeah. I want to say that that's like a technicality. Yeah, like Ida did say it's super illegal back when she did it with uh, Luce and Amity to go into Willow's mind, but it's like it's also not like, it wasn't like planned on her part, it's accidental that it happened. It's just happened she was yeah. in the wrong place on the wrong time, so it happened to her. 
Yeah, you're not wrong. I just... I, I don't know. This doesn't feel like as much of a... I don't know. Back when they did it for Willow, if I recall correctly, was the, the quote was that it was extremely unsafe and partly illegal. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just don't know what the illegal part is, that's all. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, so from that, uh, let's go ahead and move over to our Twitter. Um, if you'd like to send us questions, we are at usweirdoscast on Twitter and uh, usweirdos at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, we have questions. Thank you so much for everybody who sent them in, and sorry for the delay on getting to these. From Casey Cosmos, at Casey Cosmos, uh, seeing as Philip is a colonial from, like, the 1600s, what modern thing would you use to kill him, a la that flavored blasted goldfish post? I know he wouldn't have any context for this, but I feel like the, like, L plus ratio plus, like, witches... Like that that meme going around of like uh, ratioing people or whatever of like all those things listed out. I feel like that would just destroy him because he would not. He would dwell on it so much because he would not understand it, and he would just like distract him or ruin him. Definitely, definitely getting ratioed <laughs> on Twitter would make Bellos very angry. <laughs> oh yes, a hundred percent. He definitely does it to him um, all the time on Instagram potentially. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to go with. Um... Let's say probably the Glory Hammer song Hoots Force. Um, it's an extremely over-the-top, ridiculous power metal song, and given that he has not heard modern music in 400 years, I think that would be too much for him to process. <laughs> um, especially if he saw the music video at the same time, which does definitely involve a evil wizard flying a spaceship and fighting a bunch of guys in space submarines. So... <laughs> I feel like also another good option here would be uh, 1776. Why can't I fucking say that? I feel like that would also ruin Philip. Because, like, I only actually <laughs> saw that for the first time myself on, like, Friday evening, just the, bit, the intro part of it, up to when they were talking about, like, the big, like, football game and the first post afterwards. And I was just like, this is fucking insane. <laughs> and oh, I know, and oh, I know the internet. Bellis is not. <laughs> We're both wrong. I'm sorry. It's 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 Hamilton the musical. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. Also from Casey, uh, what are your thoughts on Pokemon Sun and Moon? I really like a lot of the Pokemon, and I really like Team Skull, but I really kind of just don't like how handholdy and direct it is, and like. It's also just, like, it's... I like that they tried something different with it, but it's, like, it's... I don't know. It, it feels very weird and different. Like, there's barely any towns in that game. It's, like, they're basically just, like, little routes with, like, Pokecenters all over the place. So it's, like... Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I, I... Again, I like that they tried something different. I do like it more it's more than Sword and Shield, because, like, Sword and Shield is literally just, like, a fucking, like, straight shot, and then, like, a bit of, like, an... Not even, like, an oval, it's, like, yeah, it's, like, one part they, like, go around in, like, a circle kind of deal. There's only, like, two fucking <laughs> caves in that whole game, and, like, the only bits of water are, like, really, like, optional except for one route where you just use the water bike. It's, like, and also, like, Sword and Shield, like, basically, like, the entire plot just happens off screen, and it's, like, you shouldn't even bother worrying about this. Don't, wor don't, don't dwell on it. What? This, like, this, like, <laughs> chairman guy is bad? Oh, well, whoops, who could have ever foreseen that? Oh, well, <laughs> whatever. Fuck it, get back to sports. <laughs> 
Like, yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, I love Sun and Moon. They're probably my favorite games in that series, if I'm honest. Um, just, um, they're, they're very good at theming it, and the, um, the evil team situation is much more nuanced than it usually oh, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which isn't to say that I didn't love Team Yell, but, you know, yeah, they, that idea came from yeah, somewhere. Yeah, they, they could know? have done so much more with Team Yell, because, like, Team Yell is, like, really there for, like, it's like they're definitely like supposed to be like a toxic fan base that gets in the way kind of deal, but they really don't ever really do anything to address that kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Like also, pretty creepy. They just follow around like a teenage girl. <laughs> Not great. Yeah, but um, yeah. Of course, the other thing that really makes Sun and Moon a standout for me. Is that if you count your starter Rowlet, then you can have a full team of unique ghosts within the first half hour of the game. So that really helps for me. Fair. There's just so many graveyards in Alola. Yeah. That's why there's no towns. Yeah, yeah I mean, there is straight up that kid that mentions, like, well, you know, people say that, like, you're, that person's sleeping. Why don't they use, use Awakening? And it's like, the kid is in a fucking graveyard. The person's dead. Get up. <laughs> I guess that's just more evidence for the uh, like giant uh, global war that killed off most of uh, adults, which is why there's really just kids going around venturing across the world now at this point. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yes, so uh, third question from Casey. Uh, who's a funny, evil little creature you like? I, I feel... I, uh, I feel... I feel like this ties a lot into the very next question we have but it's Gura. <laughs> Gura isn't like necessarily evil but even Gura is a funny little creature who gets into a lot of mischief <laughs> i'll have to take your word for it um, you have not, oh you never seen shark girl doing stuff i am not familiar with any vtubers whatsoever oh well no. then the next question doesn't really apply to you as much huh <laughs> no it super does this is just going to be you talking some more yeah pretty much <laughs> But, uh, I um, guess I guess for I guess yeah. for full context rather than just Gura, I guess Stitch is the closest because like Stitch isn't evil, but he was made for evil. He just chooses to be something more. <laughs> but he is a funny little creature who gets into mischief and chaos. Okay, well, that's that's a good choice. Uh, Stitch is a big one for me. I love that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a good. Um, the the bit. I don't know. Yeah, the bit where he put the bra on his head and his ears. It's like, yep, that's, uh... Not gonna lie. Tried that out a little while ago. It's pretty funny. Halloween costume. Yeah. Cosplaying as a superhero with a bra on their head. <laughs> you know, like a normal superhero. Yeah. The underwear always gets worn on the outside of the pants. I I've seen... I've seen Doug. I know Quail Man. <laughs> um yeah that makes sense i think i am probably going to go with uh thori from the thor comics um this is thor's dog who is named after him <laughs> shockingly enough um he is the self-proclaimed god of dogs and is both adorable and a pain. He's evil. He's absolutely <laughs> evil, but he hangs out with Thor anyway. <laughs> kind of reminds me of a... 
Uh, this was like a pull from one of our tabletop games, and like one of the first ones we played in this current group. We definitely at one point fought a psionic pit bull named Rocky, who was like basically like using people to like get him a lot of money, so he could have like a secure life being a psionic dog. <laughs> he wasn't necessarily evil, but he wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um. Okay, yeah. I've dropped several panels of Thori stuff yep. into the <laughs> uh, chat for you, but yes, generally he is just a fire-breathing dog who loves murder. <laughs> yep, Thori is good at murdering, and you will see how good he is at it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, so thank you very much for those, Casey. Um, from M. Healy at M. of Healy on Twitter. What VTubers would the Owl House cast watch if they could? Uh, you put Bakura's catchphrase in there. This is on you. I assume this is in reference to the uh, question post that you yeah, put Yeah, where I put, ended it with, so send those questions on Pain Peko, because that is uh, Pekora Sentai's uh, little thing where she says Pain Peko at times. But yes, uh, definitely, King definitely watches Gura, because again, he loves the chaos. Ida, I think, Ida, Ida is more Pekora, I feel like. He's also a little chaos gremlin like Gura, but more so. And also, like, acts a little bit more mature at times, I think. I, I haven't watched as much uh, Pekora or, like, a Japanese girls for the most part, because, again, a lot of their videos got way till they're, like, have subtitles, because, like, a lot of people just do that as fan translations, because, obviously, they don't speak English as much. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel like Luz and Amity would watch Corone, uh, uh, <laughs> because, like, especially Luz, because, like, Corone does the bits where she tries to do, like, English-only streams, like, her playing the original Mario Brothers. Where she's like, if if I speak Japanese, the game ends, <laughs> and so it's her like coming up with like silly, goofy names for the enemies. Like she called uh, a fucking Lakitu uh, Independence Day because it's dropping what she thought were like bombs on you, even though it's the spinies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel like that would be up there, Ellie. Uh, yeah, no, I I, f I feel like uh, Willow would probably watch Callie <laughs> just because like. Like it's it's very much like uh, Callie is just like kind of just does not give a fuck at times, <laughs> so she just does what she wants to do. I'll have to take your word on that. You are the expert after all. <laughs> you say that. Meanwhile, like I really don't even like watch VTubers themselves live. I watch like occasionally like clips of like stuff they get up to happens and pop up on my timeline, so I watch it that way. <laughs> that is more than I know. It's so. True. <laughs> But, um, yeah, uh, do you have any other notes? That is the last of our questions, so... Yep, uh, just got the artist plug this week, and that's it. Excellent. Right. Well, let's get to it, shall okay, we? Okay, uh, this week I'm going to spotlight, uh, Elo Mello, yeah, E-L-L-O-W underscore M-E-L-L-O, uh, no underscore on Instagram. Uh, she, again, just... I feel like I repeat myself a lot with these. She does a lot of really good fan art of Lucy and Amity being pretty, like, there were two separate ones of, like, them being pretty smug from episode 14, and also them being very sad from episode 14 and separate ones. Because, like, it's them, like, back <laughs> in their, like, uh, fight outfits. And then also the, the sad ending to the episode. And also drew them as uh, just full sweet potatoes with their faces on them. Because <laughs> they are sweet potatoes. Uh, did it? No, I'm looking at this Twitter account and I can't help but notice that the icon is. Um... Yep, it's Hootie wearing Amity's old hair as a wig. <laughs> yes. Yep. yep. <laughs> don't like that very much. I'm gonna be honest. I think it was from. I don't remember if it's Elomelo who did it or somebody else, but there was definitely one where like 
uh, Lucia's trying to practice talking to Amity by having Hootie wear the Amity hair. Like, it's like, I think it's like Lilith came up with the idea to, like, have Luz try to ask her out. And, she, and like, Luz is just, like, trying to push Hootie away, being like, this is just too weird. I can't. I feel like that's where that came from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she also did uh, one of uh, Sad Hunter from episode 16 and also Happy Hunter in episode 13. Because, oh boy, remember what this boy was in three episodes prior. <laughs> Happy to finally have friends of age, and then, oh no. Elo <laughs> uh, Mello also did a very popular one of uh, Luce and Amity and Elden Ring, where it's Amity as the player character, as like a sorceress, and Luce is the, uh, pl playing the role of the Finger Maiden, but she calls herself the Crab Maiden. <laughs> After uh, what she referred to herself in episode 12. Yeah, yeah. the way she do. Yep. And uh, Elomelo also do a uh, pretty good fan art of the cursed king without a skull and Skelehoodie next to each other. <laughs> just because everybody latched on to Skelehoodie and the skullless king after Dana did that fan stream and also after episode 11. <laughs> and uh, she also did a pretty good animation. It's set to audio from a show called Atypical, I believe, where it's like Beta Loose and Amity just hanging out in one of their rooms and it's like that bit where it's like them just being like kind of goofing around being like you know let's like promise each other with like a head bump kind of deal to like be better people kind of deal and very much becomes like very much very gay energy charged <laughs> it, it's good yeah it, i mean I, i'm pretty sure the show is called atypical i haven't actually seen it myself but i think i remember people saying it was from that i was using that video but yeah uh yeah, uh, I mean, that's kind of it with her, like, it, she kind of, like, does art a little bit more in, er, uh, intermittently compared to a lot of other ones I post up, so it's, like, more, like, I pulled for, like, more common, uh, recent ones. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Um, well, thank you so much for doing that again. It's always a pleasure to hear your recommendations. Yep, and I realize <laughs> I'm going to have to have a few more because, uh, my first, uh, idea of it was when we were going to be do doing episodes in two episode chunks. Because I thought the show, oh, no. I thought the show was gonna come back sooner than it did. Because so, that's why. Well, I mean, we're gonna, like, as we discussed, we're gonna actually wait till like next weekend to do 17 and 18 rather than just doing episode 17 on our usual Thursday day. So I will, I will only have to find one more because I thought we originally it was gonna be 19 and 20 where one recording, but now they'll be separate. So it's really just one more person I gotta look for and find. But yeah, no, that's. <laughs> yep. I'm just making it a little easier for yeah. you. Programming notes are weird. <laughs> but um, I think that's pretty much everything, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Uh, sounds good. Um, in that case, uh, you can find me on Twitter at patch underscore jacket. Um, I haven't been as active this week because I've been relaxing, and that means I don't hyperfixate on Twitter. Oh, that's the but, dream. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's still some animals in there. I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm trying to look at like what I'm usually talking about these days real quick. Uh, I feel like a lot of it is still just like posting pictures of my roommate's cats at times and like still retweeting people being fucking sensible about all the transphobia and other queerphobia going on in the world and also about the pandemic as usual. Just because, uh, oh boy, it's just getting bad and not getting much better with a lot of this kind of stuff. So it helps to spread it around and spread it's like one of those things I brought up recently with my roommates of like, it's just fucking insane that a lot of people are like acting like, oh, I can't believe they're going this much after trans people. It's like, we've been telling y'all this for years now. We've been also telling you for years now they weren't going to stop there and go after every other queer person and you didn't fucking listen now and you're acting like it's something new that you had never heard about before and it's all bad. Yeah. But yeah. 
Uh, if you want to hear uh, that kind of stuff from me on my Twitter, uh, <laughs> you can find me at, at Chloe Phil Chaos. Like I said, it's chlorophyll, but it's spelled Chloe instead of chloro. Yep. <laughs> nice. Well, it has been a pleasure as always, but I think that will leave us just with uh, one thing left to say. Remember, That's where those us have weirdos to have together. to stick together. Bye. Bye. Except the collector, they're not allowed. <laughs>